Yes, you like field goal winners? Then have all the field goal winners in the world. Welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. I'm back from Frankfurt, but not for football reasons. <laughs> so, hey, we got Connor here, we've got Sean. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks down in Cork, Ronan? Uh, not too bad. Uh, had a fairly quiet weekend. Decided to go see the new Marvel film. It was good. I wouldn't say it's great, but it was good. Which one is the new uh, one? The Marvels. Ah, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, so it's very it's very light. It's only like ninety or so minutes. Kind of gets through fairly quickly, and I don't know because everything has to be a culture where it's like a problem on the internet apparently. But I thought it was just perfectly adequate and kind of close to what they put out near the beginning of the thing. Like not their best stuff, but fine. Other yeah. than that, uh, it's been busy enough at work doing a few interviews uh, for people coming in potentially. Uh, but other than that, uh, pretty quiet. Big tech hiring again. Breaking news on the business podcast. <laughs> all four quarters. Uh, <laughs> All four business quarters. Yeah. That is. Uh, <laughs> how about yourself, Sean? How's uh, how's all down in Waterford? Uh yeah, grand, grand, quiet here too. Not much going on these days. The the weather is turned bad, and the the nights are pulling in. And my wife has been uh, on call and at conferences an awful lot in the last few weeks. So it's kind of just been me and the various animals trying to keep them from the cat and the dog from killing each other uh, has kind of been the sum total of my life recently. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, I was over in Frankfurt, so I wasn't here for last week's podcast, unfortunately, for work and not for the NFL, but although I did meet a surprising number of NFL fans who were doing the week in Frankfurt between games, which, why would you do that to yourself? I do not understand. Um, but no, it was, was, was grand. And then I went to an excellent gig on uh, Thursday, Bob Villain, if people don't know them go check them out uh they did a cracking show uh had a couple of the lads down for that and then a bit of a recharge weekend um but yeah there was lots of it was a very good week of football a lot of walk-off field goals a lot of excitement some upsets and we'll come to that in a bit but i suppose we'll kick off and look at the news so big breaking news today is buffalo have fired offensive coordinator ken dorsey he was their quarterback's coach previously, and he was promoted into the offensive coordinator position after Dayball left and went to the New York Giants. This has been an era for him that's kind of earmarked by poor consistency on offense. Uh, messiness, I would say. Uh, if, if the story of Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen underneath uh, day ball was an improving of the of the mechanics uh, tightening up of efficiency and getting a little bit more explosive it was kind of just a slow roll back to the old ways under dorsey because uh, we see the mistakes are back the accuracy is down a little bit and uh, i suppose also he hasn't really adopted massively to the change and josh allen maybe not being able to be quite as mobile as he has been beforehand. Uh, They've promoted their quarterback's coach, Joe Brady, to the offensive coordinator position. So he was quite successful at the college level when he was at LSU. And he had more recently been in Carolina's offensive coordinator. And the fact that they, you know, had the number one pick last year and will be in the hunt for the number one pick this year, uh, tell you kind of the success maybe that he found there in Carolina I think he was about <laughs> 500 at the end of it but 
I think this probably makes a lot of sense. Buffalo have been bad. Uh, we'll talk about their loss to Denver uh, on uh, on the game reviews section. And they've had a couple of big misses. They've come up short against most of the big teams uh, this year and against some smaller teams as well. Like they've lost to the Jets. They beat the Dolphins. Like it's, it, it's a bit erratic and all over the shop. And I can see why they want to do something. I'm never a huge fan of mid-season firings of coordinators because I don't think... I don't think there's enough space or runway for Joe Brady to necessarily reinvent the wheel here, but I can see why the offensive production we've seen from what were kind of a one of the Super Bowl favorites coming into the season would prompt the team to have to act. Yeah, it, it makes an awful lot of sense in looking at the, the stats and the, as you talked about the, the regression of Josh Allen, which was such a big part of what... Brian Dable was able to to bring to Buffalo. The, I mean, it's interesting that the Bills are now five and five, which is the first time they've been back. At, they've been at five hundred at this point of the season since Allen's rookie year. So they literally have regressed all the way back to the start. I mean, the the numbers speak for themselves. The Bills have had some really really terrible offensive performances this year. You just think about the two New York games where they scored less than 20 points in each one, the, the performance against the, the New England Patriots a few weeks ago, that, and they've dropped a lot of games. The, the Bengals they had last week where they just, like, it took them 57 minutes to figure out how to get Stefan Diggs free from, from double coverage. I mean, it just, it just, it wasn't good enough for a team that considers itself a Super Bowl contender, and uh, albeit that that ship has probably sailed now for, for this year. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, I mean, it was just night and day between what Dayball was able to do for Josh Allen and, and how much he's... A, how much he hasn't progressed as a quarterback since then, but combined that how much of the offensive weight is still being put on his shoulders, like how much of the Bills' play has been based around, you know, Josh Allen will do his magic bullshit and we, and we will win the game. It doesn't feel like they've ever really had a solid game plan, especially against better teams, to beat them. So, yeah, it makes sense that he just clearly wasn't up for the job why do it now? You can maybe question or what difference is going to make halfway through the season. Will this change really improve their fortunes on a season that is slipping away from them? It's hard to tell, but certainly I don't think had this happened in the off season, I don't think anyone would be questioning it whatsoever. Yeah. Like obviously Dorsey was promoted under the assumption of continuity. They obviously were coming off, you know, being one of the best offenses in the league and okay. Get your QB coach in there. He's obviously got to take some credit for getting Josh Allen sorted out and yeah like obviously there's different skill sets from being a position coach to being a coordinator and then obviously being to a head coach and being a coordinator is about more than just keeping your quarterback happy and we know that Josh Allen was someone that had to be kind of kicked into shape by Brian Dayball especially in terms of mechanics um so you imagine that you know maybe he's a guy you need to kind of have you know maybe a bit of tough love uh, coming from maybe bad cop good cop but I think the biggest problem is just that the the level of consistency and execution for this offense has just fallen off a cliff. They're just become so sloppy, and that includes Josh Allen's mechanics, which have regressed themselves uh, to some extent. And you know, it kind of it was fine like a few years ago because basically once Josh Allen sorted out his mechanics, you were in a big play league, and basically that made them competitive almost by default. Um, but we're seeing a transition over the last two or three seasons where you know even the great quarterbacks like jo- like Patrick Mahomes are having to become more like effectively more like Tom Brady and like consistently get you down the field and um, taking what the defense gives you and I've never got the sense that Josh Allen is someone who can do that and of course you know if Josh Allen isn't able to do that then you're going to need other elements around the offense to make that work like the run game 
um, or just more options to kind of make that work. And like they brought in Dalton Kincaid, and that is working to some extent, but it's like a little bit too too little, too late, which has basically been the entire premise of this Buffalo team. It feels like the entire season, every game they start slow, they're sloppy, they turn the ball over, and then you know Josh Allen does some crazy Josh Allen shit late on when the defense is slacking up um, in like uh, takeaway, you know, like in prevent mode, and then they just come up short, and then they end up at five and five overall. So. I think McDermott, he obviously, uh, he didn't fire Frazier officially, but the more reports that come out, basically, I feel like that's what happened on the defense. Yeah. So he's taking control there. He's obviously, you know, kind of, I think he's, there's reports he's been interfering on the offense as well, or at least having stronger opinions on the offense as well. So, you know, McDermott, like, there's only so much that he can do, and I would worry that he's kind of stretching himself too thin, and the whole organization, which was so well run for all those years where they were genuine Super Bowl contenders, now just feels more and more threadbare and more and more like they have a couple of really strong things, but they don't have a identity, and they don't have a consistency needed to truly compete in what is a stacked AFC, so... Obviously, you got to shake things up, try stuff, and see if you can get the season back on track. And obviously, they're still a talented team, so there's a chance they can do that. But, you know, Joe Brady, the, the kind of interim OC, uh, obviously kind of famous for his LSU offense with uh, Joe Burrow, which kind of destroyed the college ranks for a season or so. Came into Carolina, was a bit disappointing, albeit playing with quarterbacks like Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think the, the early feedback from him is that he didn't, I don't think he adapted to the NFL well. He had really good game designs and game plans initially, um, but once they were figured out, he didn't have a next level. So mm-hmm. they've got to hope that in the last couple of years, he's been going to the, the well, learning that the NFL is a definite step up and that he's going to be able to need to be able to adapt on the fly. And that's true for the entire offense. But yeah, right now things are tough. And in an AFC like this, you know, I think they're probably 50-50 at best to even make the playoffs, never mind win their division. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that and see this week if that causes any uh, <clears throat> any particular benefits to them. Uh, let's look at some moves around the league. We've had some transactions. Minnesota have signed linebacker Anthony Barr after linebacker Jordan Hicks had a leg injury. They've also signed running back Miles Gaskin. This comes after Alexander Matheson has a concussion. And the Rams picked up Carson Wentz. Uh, all the other LA Rams quarterbacks were released, so he's going to be back up to Stafford, but Stafford is expected to be playing in Week 11. Uh, Minnesota adding a quality, if long, in the tooth player in Barr to help with depth at the linebacker position and similar running back. Gaskin is fine, but not particularly exciting, and they need bodies back there at the moment. And the Rams, oh, I hate the addition of Carson Wentz, to be honest. Um, it's just, he's 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 been bad for a number of years now. Like, I wouldn't want him as a backup option. I wouldn't want him starting for a team. Um, I don't really get it, to be honest. Uh, apart from, I believe this means that they've now got, like, is it four of the top five draft picks from a single draft sitting on their roster? <laughs> yeah, there, there was some things going around about the, the specific draft that uh, has gone through the, the Rams over the years. Obviously, Jared Goff was the same draft class drafted by the Rams uh, they've moved on from him now they're bringing Carson Wentz who's second in that but uh, mm. yeah like we'll talk about Minnesota first just to say Anthony Barr obviously brought in because Jordan Hicks another veteran linebacker gone um, the scheme that Flores is running in Minnesota is very complex there's a lot of heavy blitzing but with some interesting coverage concepts on the back of it so a veteran like Barr probably suits uh, something like that rather than just bringing someone who's maybe more um, athletically gifted at this point of their career but perhaps wouldn't have the same game intelligence and Miles Gaskin yeah just a guy um, to fill in there with the guys like Ty Chandler whoever else they're throwing into the backfield which to be fair hasn't been a, back, a factor even with Madison or Cam Akers who was also lost uh, for the season a couple of weeks ago in there as for Carson Wentz like look 
is he better than Brett Rippon? That's basically the standard <laughs> they were looking at. And I would argue probably he's certainly more experienced than Brett Rippon. So mm. from that logic, you know, this is a team we know that if Car- if Matt Stafford's lost, they're basically completely fucked. And like considering that they're, you know, well below 500, I don't know if it even matters if Stafford's in there or not. But uh, yeah, he's a backup. And, you know, he's probably happy at this point just to start maybe building a reputation as being a solid non-problem backup. Yeah, it's just... I mean, that's the thing. It's it's The standard you expect from a backup is entirely different to what you expect from a starter. He's As backups go, he's probably one of the better options in the league. Uh, is he... I mean, you think about, is he better than Gardner Minshew? I mean, he, he's... No. You wouldn't say it's a slam dunk either way, to be honest. I oh, mean, I'd take Gardner Minshew can't... in a heartbeat over Carson Wentz. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I uh, mean, we know what the problem with Wentz is. You can't trust him in in pressure situations and with Stafford being a tiny bit injury prone, it is obvious. I don't know. I I don't think it's a terrible decision because he's experienced and he's not, he's not one of, he is at least NFL caliber and an awful lot of backups as we've seen looking Mm. at you, New York giants uh, are absolutely not of that standard. So that that giant situation is just so confusing. I I just don't know why you're running Mike DeVito out there. I just just don't understand it. Uh, We've also had a cut. New England have cut defensive back. Jack Jones. This comes after a couple of disciplinary issues with him. So he broke curfew and he's overall had not a great year. They were sitting in for quarters at a time there. Um, And he he did a fairly decent uh, rookie season, but I suppose New England have some good players in the back end and they obviously think he's a bad apple in order to spoil the bunch um this is also coming alongside them like they they told jc jackson who they picked up recently to not fly to the germany game and to just get his shit together <laughs> so uh a lot of discontent being sown in that backfield there shot yeah i mean on the jack jones thing i mean he he looked like the best cornerback in the world for the first five games of his career and never really kicked on from there um and had a number of he had injuries at the end of last season and then this season he's had a couple of injuries as well so i mean it's just it it kind of feels like the when belichick when he was asked about it was very much just like look it's just it just is what it is we have to make a decision and we decided he just wasn't going to be someone we continue with he didn't seem overly disappointed or sad about how it fallen apart as you say they do have a number of talented options and belichick is very good at pulling random defensive uh, stars out of nowhere uh, and he just he just didn't have the consistency to cut it in the end so uh, he probably may he, if he gets a discipline record kind of suited up sorted up then he might he might find somewhere else to play um, but he just doesn't seem to be up to standards of, of Bill Belichick yeah I'd, I'd imagine young guy who showed some promise someone will pick him up and, and see what they can get out of him but uh, yeah probably just I'd say, as we've been talking offline about a bit, uh, there's probably enough going on in New England for them to not want to have to deal with anything else at the moment. So this might just be a, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with this right now kind of move. Um, move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Houston linebacker Denzel Perryman has been suspended three games for repeated dangerous hits on other players. Uh, he's had seven helmet-to-helmet fouls this season. Uh, just pretty, like, pretty brutal we've already seen one other player uh get a suspension for dangerous hits and hitting helmets and hitting defenses players so obviously the league is trying to show some consistency in this and again make it more of a point of of, of drawing it out and punishing those who are breaking it um like 
genuinely I never have any problem with these things if anything give him more games because I presume he's going to do like they have previously he'll appeal it and maybe get it down to two games or something but uh, yeah like if they're going to play dangerously don't let them play yeah, if, if you're not going to learn I think is, is the way the NFL is going with it I think it was the, the Denver lad the Jackson I think he mm-hmm. kind of same thing is just, if you're doing this it's very easy to hit, have a helmet to helmet foul in the NFL because of the speed the way plays are and the way players slide and you just sometimes you can't stop yourself but if you've done seven of them it kind of proves that you're just you're not going out of your way to prevent them uh, and I think that's what the NFL that's the standard the NFL wants to get to is that defenders are actively trying to not do this rather than being like oh oh damn I hit him uh, my bad I won't happen again and then it happens six more times that just obviously the guy is not learning and I think that's the standard that they're they're setting and I think it's a good one I think that's where you need to draw the line with those kind of with those kind of fouls yeah and uh, the other bit that we have was that Michael Thomas was arrested on misdemeanor charges of simple battery and criminal mischief, which I must say, America, you need to get more serious sounding crime names. Criminal mischief sounds like, you know, someone rubbing their hands while contemplating stealing a pie in a cartoon. Um, but yeah, so it's, I, I, I don't think this one is a very serious thing. I think it's involving like knocking a phone out of someone's hand who was working at his house or something along those lines but just to keep an eye on it in case because they if there anything comes out of this court wise they normally do uh kind of get involved and 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 get a game or two suspension so just keep an eye on the michael thomas stuff we'll probably have more on that later on we'll move on to injuries we have a couple to get through this week so serious side pittsburgh linebacker Quan alexander has done his achilles and he's gone for the season and that's after they also lost uh, cole holcomb from their linebacker core last week so a pittsburgh defense that is definitely starting to feel the pitch injury wise the chargers because of course the chargers have loads of injuries uh, linebacker chris rumpf has injured his foot and he's gone for the season tight end gerald everett has hurt his back and he's day-to-day and Keenan Allen, their wide receiver, has hurt his shoulder in his day-to-day. And Dallas linebacker Leighton Vanderetch is gone for neck surgery and he's gone for the season. So he was placed on IR about a month ago. As we've talked before, there's kind of a boomerang thing where they can come back after four weeks or I think there's a longer one now as well. Um, but essentially he was there and there was some talk about him being able to come back. But now it turns out that this is a far more serious injury. So he's not going to be back this season. And there's questions because I believe he had neck stuff previously as to whether or not this might be a kind of a career ender for him. Uh, and he was, you know, a linebacker who was very highly touted performed very well in the nfl fell off a little bit i think around year three or four um but you know was was being a strong element in that dallas linebacker core this year so uh very unfortunate news for him yeah for sure like obviously we're talking about a guy here who as you said had really strong start his career and went through a tough time but managed to kind of claw his way back into being a starter for a good team and a good defense had really kind of settled into that kind of leader of the defense role uh for dallas and obviously any player's career who's potentially going to end um, while in the middle of it is obviously a really sad thing. And we obviously hope that against hope that maybe it won't turn out to be so. But I think the, these reports came from Jerry Jones himself. So I'd imagine he'd have a good, a pretty good idea of what what's likely to happen. And obviously player safety should come first. Mm. Um, Jerry Jones Pittsburgh. seems like the kind of man to be like, we can rebuild him. <laughs> Yeah, he 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 already has the kind of fullback type collar traditionally, so maybe you can just have the kind of build that into a mechanical neck or something. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Quan Alexander, yeah, like he's he's a guy who's been around the league a lot over the years. But yeah, basically it just makes that uh, Pittsburgh in, in, inside linebacker core even more 
weak than already is. So if they basically have two inside linebackers at the moment, imagine they'll sign someone. Probably no one particularly of interest, but uh, just to fill in the, the gaps there. And Chris Rump, not a huge contributor for for the Chargers. He started a few games for them, but uh, yeah, that's a, I think it's a pretty serious foot injury. So the best hope is he'll be back next season. Uh, Everett and Allen looks like they'll probably play through the pain if they have to. Yeah, uh, we've got other kind of slightly less serious ones on New Orleans quarterback. Derek Carr had an injury in the game, both a shoulder and a possible concussion injury. He's expected back after the bye week. You'd imagine he passed the concussion protocol because they had him out speaking to the press afterwards. And normally if there's a concussion, they don't have them do that. And Marshawn Lattimore, their defensive back, has injured his ankle out for two to six weeks. Cleveland quarterback Deshaun Watson, because of course he's on the injury report, has a knee injury in his week to week. And Juan Thornhill, their defensive back, has hurt his calf in his week to week. Atlanta's quarterback Taylor Heineke has hurt his hamstring in his week to week. And their head coach Arthur Smith has declined to name a post by starter between Heineke and Ritter because Arthur Smith does what Arthur Smith wants to do anytime he wants to do anything. Baltimore offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley has hurt his knee in his day-to-day. Marlon Humphreys, their defensive back, has hurt his calf in his day-to-day. Both are hoping to be able to play, but they're on a short week with Thursday Night Football coming up. Cincinnati wide receiver T. Higgins, in recent addition to Ronan's fantasy team in a trade from me, has hurt his hamstring and is now week to week after missing week 10. And their edge rusher Trey Hendrickson hyperextended his knee. He's day-to-day. There was initially a worry that that was going to be a more serious injury, but it's looking day-to-day. And New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers has now come out and said he intends to return mid-December. So that is roughly four weeks' time from now. So the question would be, would the Jets be live enough for him to be warrant coming back at that stage? So what do we want to talk about in here? Um, New Orleans quarterback, I don't know if this has a huge impact on them. They looked both more explosive and obviously more, you know, mistake prone whenever they brought in Seamus Winston instead. But like Carr, they got into a bit of a rhythm of late the last week or two, but they haven't really been doing much on offense. So I'm not sure losing Carr for a week would actually be that big a deal. Well, I think they're more a team built to do boring games, right? They have a solid defense. They they can run the ball okay with, with, with Alvin Kamara, you know, and they have the occasional deep, like they're set up to have the occasional deep shot, not like just hook it down there like uh, Jameis Winston likes to do. So I think you know Dennis Allen probably prefers having a quarterback like Derek Carr. Like to be fair, even someone like Bruce Arians got sick of fucking Jameis Winston, and Bruce Arians yeah. is like the most fuck it down there uh, coach in the history of the last twenty years or so. Um, and to be honest, like the injuries to to Marshawn Lattimore will probably be more significant. Yeah, I think Jameis. He's very different, but he, yeah, he's probably not that much of a drop from Derek Carr. Like, maybe just put more Taysom Hill in there, to be honest. Uh, Deshaun Watson, yeah, he he spent a lot of the game, despite, as he said, actually leading the comeback. Um, holding his knee, holding his ankle. Um, kind of going the full Peter Griffin. Uh, and, uh, yeah, obviously he has no reason to play if he doesn't have to play, right? Because he's fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. Years, so, uh, that's the, the benefit of that. And, yeah, look, Atlanta, just a complete... Uh, you know, it just is what it is. Like, Heineke hasn't been good. They were actually pretty awful this year as a long man at the dump-off. But, um, you know, is Ritter really the answer? We've kind of seen enough of Ritter. So, it just is what it is. Hey, maybe just run the ball with Bijan more. Uh, that, yeah. I know there's only so far you can take that, but it's probably better than what you're getting in this quarterback room right now. And yeah, Certainly Baltimore take it farther than Arthur Smith has been willing to take it so far. Yeah, and Baltimore and Cincinnati, look, like these guys would probably play on a full week. Maybe not T. Higgins, but the rest would. But uh, short week, uh, and obviously all critical players for their respective teams. We can talk about that more in the preview uh, for Week 11. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just on the, the Rogers thing, I mean, it kind of feels to me either he's going to come back and be fully healthy and Western medicine will collapse as a concept or it'll be like that episode of The Simpsons where the guy's leg falls off um, because he comes back too soon. Like, this is either a really terrible idea or this guy has actually outthought science as a concept. Um, Aaron, what's uh, your degree I, in? Ayahuasca? It means nothing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm just intrigued to see this Jets one because I think I'm wondering if Rogers is just kind of saying this, thinking like we probably won't be relevant. I probably won't have to do it. Like, cause he's under contract next year. They they're they they're not going to run him out for three or four games for the sake of it, you know, unless there's a, a shot. And I, I suppose a general at the moment at this point because I did miss the mid season last week. Like you were saying to me wrote in there the AFC has 14 of the 16 teams are still very much live at the moment so like there is a chance the jets could could be live and want to have them back in there and uh, frankly there's there's not a, there's not a team outside of maybe the patriots that's more in dire need of a, a swap at quarterback with no solution in sight but yeah i i, I don't know about that um like would you want to see him come out in mid mid December like would if he's not 100% but say is it like 80% and they've got a chance would you play him it's 80% oh. Aaron Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson yeah but 80% Aaron Rodgers versus if he gets hit again you might not have him the following year as an outside yeah, observer a... definitely yes <laughs> <laughs> this just wants to see the back of this storyline <laughs> Uh, fair enough. And uh, finally, uh, former NFL defensive back DJ Hayden is died at 33. There was a multi-vehicle crash where five others died. I believe someone went through a stop sign or a red light or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, no terrible news. Uh, very young player, and uh, just sad to see that happen. But uh, yeah, dead at 33. Jesus, mad time. And we'll go to the game reviews from last week. Okay, so first up, we'll go to Houston at Cincinnati in the first of what was a couple of kind of surprising outcomes. Uh, I just wish that we'd had the strength of our convictions to back Houston in this one, but uh, since he seemed so hot, so 30 to 27, Stroud does Stroud things, uh, pushes himself away up on top of the obviously rookie of the year, and possibly if this continues into an MVP style conversation, 384 yards, two touchdowns and interception uh, is productive, but also manages to weather a very, very tough scenario to lead another kind of dying embers drive to get them all the way down. A one minute, 33 minute drive uh, after a late interception lets Cincinnati back into the game. Uh, they were down 20 to seven in the third quarter, but, yeah, it was uh, it was a big singletary game, 161 yards and a touchdown for him. And Brown, uh, who I'd say a lot of people picked up on waivers but just didn't start on their teams in fantasy, 171 yards. Um, I am intrigued, and I'll let you guys comment on this, whether you think the singletary production is a reflection on Damian Pierce maybe not being up to snuff this year, or if it's just that the team has kind of turned a corner and people have to respect the deep ball a little bit more but um yeah very good performance from houston from a lot of contributors including the ground game and the great performance from stroud from the bengals side burrow had a good day as well 347 yards two touchdowns and an interception and this houston defense didn't make it easy on them like they kept the pressure on throughout uh but yeah they had an interception it just wasn't really wasn't quite right for them and at the final end they were so close and Boyd dropped what should have been you know uh, it should have been a sitter really for him uh you'd wonder 
obviously maybe the score is turned around if it's not for injuries to their wide receiver core or whatever because they were even getting production out of Mixon in this game as well like Cincinnati looked good uh you would have maybe have liked to see their defense step it up a little bit more but uh yeah Houston in the ascendancy Stroud looking great like I said it to you guys at the time on text like, would the NFC ever draft one of these young fucking quarterbacks? Like, I'm sick of them all being in the AFC. Carolina Panthers were looking at you. I mean, they they're the ones who dropped the ball. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean the 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 Stroud thing is is just amazing. He really has blossoming week after week, getting better and better, and really looks so comfortable. Um, even in fourth quarter, two minute drill drives, got a got a score to win second week running he just he just looks exactly where he wants to be and having a bunch of fun and you you start to trust him now in the same way you might say trust a pat mahomes or you trust a joe burrow it's like oh two minutes left texans have the ball to score cj stroud is going to do his thing and that kind of feels like where it's at but what's really interesting i think for the texans is the way the rest of the team is improving around him because this was last year a pretty terrible team and they've they've dropped they've drafted well and they've kind of picked up pieces here and there and everyone the, the obviously the coaching has taken a huge step uh, forward under D'Amico Ryan's and and it's just like you've got you got Noah Brown all over the place always open the Bengals defense just really did not do a good job there the you know the the real thing that the deep the Texans defense looks really good the run defense is like basically if you look at the stats is like twice as good as last year they are giving up half as many yards um in the run game as they were giving last year the Texans secondary I mean Jamar Chase had a, had a not quite but not but not spectacular game he was kind of fighting in there and especially down the stretch Burrow didn't seem to be throwing to him as much as you would expect it was, it was interesting they were kind of removing those options like it seems to be clicking for the Texans now it started with Stroud and now every other piece around him they're stepping up it's kind of like oh we're actually good it's time for us to start playing our heart out and it, it really seems that they've got a, a good team spirit and everything seems to be coming together and I mean they're you know that they're not out of touch of the, of the Jags. They definitely have a shot at taking taking them down. Oh, yeah. Um, so they're definitely a team you wouldn't want to play in the playoffs, for example, if they if they kind of keep this momentum going. In terms of the Bengals, uh, yeah, I mean, the what if of the boy touchdown, if they manage to take the, the go-ahead there and the four points, do, does Stroud be able to lead the, lead the Texans down for a touchdown set of field goal is the question. But the real thing was the Bengals' defense just really had a very poor game. They were absolutely bullied all over the place. I mean, their their line got absolute. Their D line got pummeled here. You gave up 150 yards to Devin Singletary. Like, what the hell is going on? I mean, they're they're facing the Ravens next week, and the Ravens are basically the, statistically one of the best run games in the NFL. They're going to carve them to pieces unless they fix that very quickly. And given the way the Bengals' defense was such a big part of their improvement in recent weeks, that they looked they were a big part. Like Burrow, obviously getting healthy was was a huge part of why the Bengals were having a winning streak, but their defense improved considerably in the last three or four weeks, and this was just a big drop-off. They just were not at the races at all. Uh, so with the Bengals, I just, I, I still think they're largely a solid team, and it will come together, and in another scenario, they maybe could have won this game, as you say. Less injuries, less dropped passes, they might have won this game. So you still got to be slightly up on the Bengals, I think, but the Texans, man, they're for real, and they're here to play. And I would not want to be a team that gets in their way in the next few weeks because it's going to take a while before teams start to figure out how to beat them and what weaknesses Stroud might have um, because that's the kind of conversation we're at now is people have to start taking him seriously as, as a top-caliber elite NFL quarterback. Yeah, and I think like this win is more a testament to the Texans than it is like 
you know, the Bengals blowing it. Like, I think, you know, the Texans dominated most of this game. For most of this game, they looked like the superior team. They were obviously up by a fair amount well into the second half. And it was really just because Joe Burrow started doing Joe Burrow things down the stretch that this ended up being such a nail-biter by the end. Uh, but for the majority of this game, the Texans were the better team and they deserved the win. And, you know, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure Burrow would love to have Tyler Boyd actually catch the ball and get them the touchdown and get them the win. But I think it's a testament to where the Texans are. They, I think we now have to put them in that category of at least the, the same tier as the, the Bengals and the Jags and the kind of, and, you know, given, you know, the Chiefs haven't exactly been hot, like in potentially the top table. Yeah, like uh, ser- serious contenders at this point. Um, they're such a young team that, you know, the, the direction of improvement only feels it can go in one direction. And this is a game where they were missing, like, Nico Collins, who's, like, their leading receiver this year. And, like, Noah Brown shows up and Tank Dell had a touchdown and he came back in despite getting absolutely walloped in the middle of this game. And, you know, they're just doing it without, obviously, no, they're, no, I suppose, mostly no names right now, but guys who will probably be getting nice contracts a, a few years from now. And the defense, as Sean says, has also been a major factor. And I think, like, you know, it, it was the problem Damian Pierce in terms of the running game. I don't think so. I think it's A, teams are suddenly realizing, oh, crap, this CJ Stride kid is actually, like, really, really good. We're going to have to make huge adjustments to basically take away uh, this guy, which will obviously loosen up those boxes. But also, you know, the offensive line for the first, like, four or five games was basically, you know, all on IOR and like over the last few like month or so they've got more and more healthy and you've seen an uptick both now in the run game but also in CJ Stroud's play um due to that especially in the last couple of weeks so you know even though Stroud you know it wasn't a perfect game by any chance as I said he, the Texans were way better and it was really the three turnovers from Stroud that kind of kept Bengals just close enough to make that last uh, quarter impressive it's just yeah it's looking really really good really really exciting I don't think it's perfect but for a team this young you've, you've got to be hugely excited as a Texans fan as I said last year it's probably the first time you've actually been optimistic for this team like in probably what five years at this point um as for the Bengals I think you know as I said like against most teams they probably would have won this because they're the Bengals they play well they go right to the end uh their defense I think did have a bad day out there um but I put that more down to CJ Stroud and they did get three turnovers out and so I'd say you know they did somewhat their job but like Joe Burrow yeah, I think, like, obviously T. Higgins was missing. Jamar Chase wasn't being used at full capacity, probably due to the back injury he's carrying at the moment. So you're relying a lot more on Tyler Boyd and Trenton Irwin, and you see that drop at the end, and you kind of go, okay, well, there's a reason Tyler Boyd's the wide receiver tree, not the wide receiver one or two. And you kind of move on from it. And, yeah, they'd probably love to get a bit more with Joe Mixon involved uh, going forward. But, you know, we know who the Bengals are. We know they're a contender team, but they just happen to be in the most stacked division in a stacked conference so it's going to be tough sledding going here but i'm not panicking at all about them i think just the texans we genuinely need to take them seriously from here on out yeah no they are very much a team that i am not relishing the idea of having to play in the playoffs um yeah because i i can only imagine it's upwards as well for this season because he's still what 10 games in like that's pretty crazy next up cleveland at baltimore another walk-off field goal uh 33 to 31 cleveland take the lead for the first time in the game i hadn't realized that fully um with a 40-yard walk-off field goal after they missed a point after earlier watson had a so-so start but then was a bit hotter down the stretch 250 yards a touchdown and an interception and as you said kept holding his leg holding his knee he was playing hurt and big ben style uh he has sexual assault allegations against him (laughs) (laughs) but also that he wants them all to know that he has uh that he is playing hurt and they need to love him for that their run game did pretty well as well. They had 140 or so on the ground and a touchdown in 27 carries. And their defense being 
kind of the backbone of this Cleveland team at the moment did what they needed to do. Two interceptions, including a pick six and three sacks in this game. Lamar Jackson looked a little bit pedestrian because of the mistakes. So he had 264 yards, a touchdown, but he also had two interceptions, including that late pick six that we mentioned. And the Baltimore defense didn't quite look up to scratch at the tail end. I don't know if it was tiredness. I don't know if it was a change up in the scheme, but they were 17 to 31 up and ended up losing the game. Um, It was a strong performance for Cleveland, particularly if this team is looking at, you know, its division and saying, well, do you know what? We're not out of this yet. We've just beaten a rival. I think, is it one game that they're back at this stage now or one and a half because of an earlier loss? But, Like, this is the kind of performance that you need to get a team back on track. Up at a divisional rival, away from home, uh, down a pile, and being able to to gut it out is uh, is very impressive. For Baltimore, it was sloppy. It it felt a little bit like they took the foot off the gas at the back end. Uh, Like we said, kind of, that was, what, 14... Uh, sorry, not 14. It was uh, 16 unresponded points. Like it was, uh, it, it was, it, it was messy. And yes, there are a few injuries to them and stuff like that. But for this Baltimore team that kind of looked three or four weeks ago to have turned a corner and was kind of in like MVP playoff kind of mode, it it's a step back down. Now that said. This is a Cleveland defense that is definitely right up the top in the league at the moment, and they still managed to put up 31 points, and they had, you know, a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. So this is the kind of game that you shouldn't have a problem closing out, particularly given that you have a strong defense. As Sean mentioned earlier, you have, like, a, a spectacular run game. Even though they're down a few players, they're getting performances out of everyone. Like, Gus Edwards is playing well. Keaton is playing surprisingly well. And I think he's going to push in and maybe get a few more snaps now as well, given his kind of more explosive performance, maybe. But, um, they should have been leading on the run game more. They shouldn't have been passing as much at the tail end. They should have like this is a this is a well coached team with good personnel that should be able to close out a two score lead in the fourth quarter and they couldn't so like I don't think it's the sky is falling for them but this is the kind of game that you should be able to put away if you're meant to be considered like in the top tier in the NFL at the moment yes i think we thought or i thought certainly that the the ravens had turned the corner that they you know the the last certainly last season and then their loss against Indianapolis this year to a lesser extent the Pittsburgh game like that they have had a really bad habit in the last couple of years of just blowing leads and just looking really good for the first half of the first three quarters and then just imploding in on themselves and I thought they were past it because the defense seemed to have taken that extra step up to turning into a genuinely elite unit under Mike McDonald I thought the offense while not perfect has generally been keeping it clean not making you know those kind of critical turnovers those critical mistakes that allow other teams to sneak in but then this game you know you know literally the first throw for for the Browns was a, a pick six and you're kind of going okay like we know who's the cream of the crop in this division and we know who's the pretender and for most of this game that seemed to be what was happening like as you said Deshaun Watson was hobbling around as I said earlier going full Peter Griffin going ah my knee oh my ankle oh it's, it's so sore um but you know like to be fair to Watson actually no fuck Watson I'm never gonna be fair to him <laughs> like he did he did show adequate quarterback play down the stretch that that was important for them to actually win this game um but yes this was another game where Cleveland basically 
most of the work was being done by the run game. Jerome Ford had a good game overall. They went for 140 yards and a touchdown based on that with, with Hunt and Ford. And uh, yeah, they got those in, like, you know, it's just like the Ravens, like the Browns were just allowed to slowly sneak up. They were within a score. And then like that, Lamar throws that pick six and then it's a tie game. And the last end of the game just turned into that kind of wibbly wobbly, you know, dirty type of uh, AFC uh, North football that we're used to. But they didn't have to get into that situation. And, uh, yeah, I think they, like, like to some extent it's taking your... Uh, foot off the gas that certainly did happen and they'll certainly have to be questions asked about that and this is a team that should expect to be able to run the ball um given that they've done it so well and luckily we're missing ronnie stanley uh during this game due to the injury which we talked about earlier but still like you know they they, they weren't really getting a consistent run game like it's really nice to have you know gus edwards at the goal line does things and keaton mitchell does ridiculous you know run play from like 50 yards out but you know you just need someone who can just do five yards a carry please like just someone who can just do that would make this team i wouldn't say invincible and i think to a certain extent that's what they were probably hoping for when jk dobbins was the the the, the nominal rb1 coming into the season so yeah like they're never going to be a team that can pass you down uh, consistently like i think lamar is better this year in this system but it's not perfect but yeah like i think you know fair play to the browns like the, the the things that they did well were done well and they got away with it at the end and i think they were almost helped at the end where they missed that pat uh, so they had to go uh down another drive instead of like trying to play for the draw which kind of feels like the classic stefanski trap um but yeah like you know and to fair hopkins like he's like when asked about the winning winning kick basically said he felt like an arsonist who came in and was congratulated putting out the fire uh, by kicking that winning field goal after missing the pat but um yeah it's just one of those things where like this browns team is not good and the steelers are not good and yet both of them are well within shooting range of the Baltimore Ravens who are good and that they're above the Bengals who are good and it's just it's weird it's AFC North football they have their strengths but they're very tough to watch and in this game the the, the wibbly wobblies went their way but yeah the Ravens will be kicking themselves they need to cut the shit out as you say if you want to consider them to be genuine contenders like I'm willing to place trust in them enough not to consider this like you know wipe them off the contender list but yeah definitely a very bad regression to the worst habits they've had recently yeah, the Ravens are they're such a frustrating team. I mean, they honestly at their peak look like they are far and away the best team in the NFL. And in the first half of this game, that's kind of the mode they were in. But it just happens so rarely this season. Like, they, they just have no consistency whatsoever. They just cannot seem to string these performances together. I mean, the only game that I, I mean, they, that they really kind of went pillar to post was the Lions where they kind of they played it out for four quarters like they were just a horrible mess in the second half and that lacking consistency is why it's so hard to to think about them going all the way because they just don't have that ability to grind games out and as, as Ronan said they don't have that ability to just hold on to leads and just shut the game down which is such an important thing for for an elite team a team competing for Super Bowls uh, to want to do so the Ravens definitely let this one slip I I, I don't know the statement that the, they're much a much better team than the Browns actually holds because I think they at their peak they certainly are but they don't seem to be able to to to, to be consistent about it and they're only half a game ahead now of both the Steelers and the Browns and the, it, it, this this division is going to turn into a real grind um, and it, I I don't really know who's going to come out on top um, in terms of Cleveland it's I, I mean you have to give to Sean Watson, some credit, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, obviously the first half he was 6 of 20. He was horrible, you know, pick six on the first play, hobbling around the place, couldn't even be bothered to throw the Hail Mary at the end of the half. Just He said, I'll just stick P.J. Walker out there. He'll do it for me. Uh, and then the second half, possibly the best half he's 
almost certainly the best half he's performed in a Browns jersey to date. 14 of 14 in the second half. He did everything that he had to do, uh, everything that was asked uh, of him. Despite, uh, despite the fact that he had an injured O-line that, that did its best in the circumstances but wasn't maybe as protective as it needs to be, he really kind of showed old Deshaun Watson at moments and it's just in terms of just being able to get it down and winning the game. Uh, the defense also, I mean, there's definite strengths there. They don't go away just because they they don't turn up, uh, you know, for the first half. The, the rushing defense did a very good job of shutting down that size of the, the rush, Ravens offense comparatively. Miles Garrett had another great game. I mean, that, that DPOI kind of feels locked in at this stage. The thing about the Browns is really worrying for, for Deshaun haters is that they, they're only half a game behind, and their schedule down the stretch is easier than both the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, the Steelers, I think, in terms of the strength of schedule, have a slightly easier schedule. Um, but, I, you know, you can't trust the Steelers to, to win a whole bunch of games back-to-back. There's a real part of me that kind of feels sick to the stomach. This Browns team could go on a run. They definitely could get some momentum going. Uh, the siege mentality kind of kicks in, and they're just smash-mouth football, and Deshaun does enough, and they end up winning the division, and they get 12 wins, and they're a horrible team to play in the playoffs. Um, because at this point, I kind of... If I was an AFC opponent, I would kind of be fearing facing the Browns more than I fear the, the Ravens because the Ravens on your day will kill you, but if they're not on their day, you can beat them. Whereas the Browns, it feels like every game is going to be a battle and it feels like they're really hardened into knowing how to win those kind of games now. Um, and that's worrying for teams who don't want to, For people who don't want to do well, it's a very worrying state of affairs. Yeah. Uh, next up, what's this? Another walk-off field goal. Detroit at the Chargers, 41-38. to Detroit win a shootout with a 41-yard walk-off field goal after the fourth down attempt. Stops Herbert and his, you know... I, I, it's it's impressive in certain respects. And not in others. So 338 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, he went through Keenan Allen in this game again. I don't know how Keenan Allen's still going. Like he's he's getting up there in age, and yeah, but still 175 yards in the touchdown. Uh, they really got a good shot at the comeback going, and you know, like I said, they were going ballsy. They were going for it on fourth downs. Uh, it was exciting, but there was throughout this game a lot of uh, missed decisions or bad calls on how they were going to how they're going to attack things and that there's definitely a lot of decision making they might come back to afterwards on tape review uh detroit went for a kind of a very run heavy approach in this game so you know montgomery was back and he had 116 yards and a touchdown gibbs was there and he had 112 yards and two touchdowns and what was interesting was they took away all of Montgomery's goal line carries and gave them to Gibbs so Montgomery had to respond by having was it a 60 yard touchdown run or a 55 yard 75 75 Jesus yeah so like he's went well if I can't have the goal lines I'm gonna have to score from back here then instead and uh Amon Ra doing Amon Ra things 165 yards on the touchdown he had a couple of very very key catches uh, particularly towards the tail end on the sidelines uh very very tight space ones it was uh, impressive Goff had an alright day 332 yards and two touchdowns he wasn't actually overly impressive but as we said the game script was leaning much heavier on the uh, run production anyway but when push came to shove and they had to get things done he was there to deliver the ball as I said I think that I remember two particularly good Amon Ra catches in that late section towards the tail end to get them there yeah, this is the, the tight end catch for Brock Wright on the, the play action and then also the Laporta, the final throw, basically, the yeah. off the game. Uh, and a, yeah, like, there was just a couple of really good moments. Like I said, it didn't, he didn't blow me away throughout the game. Uh, this was probably one of his more pedestrian performances uh, as a 60-minute 
experience, but he had a couple of really big key moments in him, which were very impressive. Uh, from Detroit, great to see the offense get going, although this is a Chargers defense that has been underperforming its star names this year. Uh, and yeah, like they got it going on the ground, and that is exciting to see, to see Montgomery come back healthy, to see that they can get a good mix going between the two of them. And having them both back now and being this productive with both of them is very exciting to see because it means they've kind of figured out a balance between them. Um, Amon Ra was out there catching balls, but like I think they probably, like it's him and Laporta, they maybe need to find someone to step up a little bit more as well because I think Williams is really doing as much. But Overall, good uh, offensive performance. Not a great defensive performance from them. Like The Chargers played well. And like I said, Allen was just having one of his days when he was going to catch everything. Um, but yeah, it wasn't phenomenal. Like The interception they got, I, I think that was a decision-making thing by Herbert myself, if I remember it correctly. But like, yeah, like if I'm Detroit loving the offense, I am worried that my defense has taken a step back because uh, this is a Chargers team that, on its day can put up points, but has coughed and spluttered in games against like defenses that are on paper less good than this one. Uh, from the Chargers side, this is Chargers football. Like this is impressive, high scoring stuff, but they make mistakes in key spots and they just can't dig themselves out of it. Uh, it it's positive because you're seeing production and stuff, but not not massively dissimilar to some of the stuff I would have said about the Bills in the last year or two as well. Like you're looking at a core that's aging out and they don't have the replacement pieces in like Keenan Allen is in his thirties now. Like he's not going to be able to do this the whole time. And like the rookie they drafted isn't even seeing playing time and stuff like that. It's just, it's not, it's not great. Uh, I think they're in dire need of coaching change. And it's a weird thing to say in a team that like puts up 38 points and wins in the last second with a field goal. But like their coaching just doesn't have, an identity it's defense is all over the place and this is a defensive minded head coach who can't get it together he's put giving up 41 yards like what was it It was 250 yards total on the ground or something they gave up like you can't win in the nfl when you're giving up that much on the ground um but yeah like exciting performance bad bad loss for them but like at least probably suggests they are you know in the market for a new head coach next year hopefully and maybe that's Kellen Moore being promoted I don't know but like yeah this definitely feels like a Chargers team with bucket loads of potential that fumbles its potential every time which is very Chargers to me yeah this is the this game is like the archetypal Chargers game for this season get into a shootout lose it by less than three points uh, and uh, your run defense is just appalling. Like that is the chart that's been the Chargers' blueprint this entire season. That they they've gotten into these kind of games over and over and over again, and they always lose them. They're like the reverse Vikings in the sense that they they, they I think the five four of their five losses have been by less than th- by three points or less this season. Um, it's just it's just it's just it's so chargery, um, and it's difficult to know. I think if you were a Chargers fan, you would at least want to see some sort of progression or some sort of, this team is getting better. We're four and five, but we've had a few tough spots, but we're going to get better in the second half season and Herbert's going to do his thing. I don't know. I mean, defensively, it certainly feels like they're regressing. There are a few weeks there 
We talked about in the pod that defense was starting to click together just a tiny bit, and maybe Brandon Staley was finally beginning to figure out how to put together an NFL defense. But this game, just, you know, complete regression, especially on the run side. Missed tackles all over the place. They they really just, it was just a lack of, the game plan was shit, and the execution was shit as well. Offensively, you can maybe see the Kellen Moore game plan starting to come together. He seems to love having secondary options, Johnson and Guyton. Like, it seems like, okay, they lean heavily on Keenan Allen, but the other guys seem to be free an awful lot, and there are the option that Herbert can kind of pick those guys up when they want. So it does seem that balance maybe does work uh, just a tiny bit, but um, I don't know if they're still making the most out of Herbert, but the charges are the charges. Are the charges. This is just who they are going to be Certainly until they change head coaches, but possibly just forever. This just might just be what this franchise is as an organization, a team that looks exciting um, but always comes up short. Uh, in terms of Detroit, uh, it's, it's, I just love them. It's great. Um, I mean, i got to give a shout-out to Jared Goff here. I mean, you know, it's incredible when you think this guy was the afterthought of a Stafford trade. He was the, he was the piece that got thrown in there being like, oh, the yeah, make yeah. Weight, we, like... we don't need this quarterback. You can have him. And now he's leading he's quarterbacking basically the third or fourth best team in the nfl towards what is likely to be a deep playoff run i mean that's an incredible change in fortunes and okay he's not perfect and certain defensive minded coaches can expose him and he but he's not making the kind of mistakes he used to he's not doing anything stupid he's just allowing the game plan to work and he's doing what is asked of him and as as we said when push came to shudge and he needed to do some clutch throws in this game, he absolutely did. I mean, the offense looks in such a good place right here, moving down the field easily. The 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 combo Montgomery-Gibbs thing, the explosiveness. I mean, the run game was a huge part of the difference in terms of this. Dan Gamble is play-calling aggressively like mad. He doesn't make fourth down. The first time he goes, damn it, I'll just do it again. We'll run it till we win. Um, Amon Ra being one of the most exciting wide receivers out there. The offense looks so good right now. The defense, it had a bad day, and it's not normally like this, so I kind of want to mark it off as just a bad day at the office. But they did, I mean, the, the Ravens did kind of tear them apart a little bit as well, so you would be maybe worried a tiny bit about that side of it. Once they, If they end up in a playoff game against someone like the 49ers or the Eagles, they could be exposed. The pass rush here was really poor. It kind of felt like Aiden Hutchinson was like the only guy pressuring for the entire game. Um, which which wasn't great. So they got to work on the defensive side, but the offensive side looks so good, and they're such an exciting team. And I just want to see them go as far as they can go. But for the Chargers, I, I just I just given up at this point. I've given up. Maybe maybe this Chargers team under Herbert will come good at some point, but it's not this season, and it's not looking like it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any other coach out there who's like talks to the old school traditional coaches and they're like you don't go for fourth down you take the points it's like suck it nerd and then the analytics people come over to like oh yeah go for fourth down it's like and it's like but on the goal line like that like the the no-go says don't go it's like suck it nerds i'm going for fourth down every goddamn play like he's in the fucking wwe and he's right to do a yeah. stone cold stunner on you because as sean said like the fourth downs in here it wasn't just that they were ballsy and like you know like to be fair to 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 um Brandon Staley, he went for a tree, he went for three fourth downs of his own, maybe someone response trying to take back his crown as the fourth down king, but the fourth down king is Dan Campbell, like two fourth downs, one failed, and then he goes right back into the, the locker room for another fourth down and gets the touchdown on the next drive, you know, the, the two fourth downs with the two final drives, one, a play action play to like your tight end two, Brock Wright, balls man like he says he's saying now it like did today uh, on tuesday that was like, meant to be a mistake wasn't it that there was meant to be a, 
the read like that was coming back to the third read or something hey look maybe like you know ben johnson that implies a different uh, part of the genitalia but it's all balls all the way down <laughs> man like uh like i like maybe it's a mistake but when the mistakes work this way keep making those mistakes and of course as i said you know uh, the you know fourth down they were within field goal range you know they could have kicked taken the three points taking the lead with you know very little time left in the clock fuck that shit go for fourth down convert the ball run down the clock and don't give justin herbert a chance because you know the, the Chargers are a complete mess, but to be fair to Justin Herbert, he showed up in this game. He actually balled out, um, and he was the only reason that they stayed relevant in this game alongside Keenan Allen. But, you know, this this this, this Detroit team, look, the defense sucks. And, like, I really hope it turns around. It was quite good earlier on, but the last few weeks it's been very bad. Um, but if, if they don't, you're going to get games like this. And games like this are hard not to enjoy. So, you know, I want the Detroit defense to be better just so they'll be more, like, you know, they can beat the teams like Philly and San Francisco. But right now, this shit is good. This is good shit. And, like, they are running the ball hard. Like, as you said, like, the whole, you know, Freaky Friday, Jamar Gibbs, David Montgomery relationship doesn't make any sense. But I love Jameer Gibbs finally getting more involved in the last three games. He's really added that explosive element to the run game. Montgomery's obviously, you know, just light the fire under him. And now that guy who's been playing well all year and who was like your breakout player last week Connor in, in our mid-season predictions suddenly it's like okay now I gotta be explosive as well after having been such a mid running back in Chicago for all those years and Amon Ra is a stud would you like more weapons who can consistently show up of course um like obviously Laporte has also been pretty good um but you know right now it works this works the offensive line is good and yeah Jared Goff you know it takes balls to make those decisions in fourth down and in key situations but it also takes balls to execute in those situations and Jared Goff look it's never going to be perfect he's never going to turn into Patrick Mahomes but given the shit he's gone through you got to give him major respect um and major respect is what everyone on that Detroit team deserves and basically no respect for the Chargers this is the classic Chargers screw it up you know they, they play hard they're going to lose anyway look they could still make the playoffs I think that's still very much possible but are they ever going to be a genuine contender under this daily regime no and I think we're ready for this regime to be over uh, even if you know I don't know if it'll be better without Staley but at least they, they might have at least a chance of become, reaching the ceiling and as you said Connor they're not a team that's on the ascent in terms of the squad around Herbert and that just feels a complete fuck up by everyone in that organisation yeah uh, next up Denver at Buffalo finally uh, walk off field goal that didn't work oh well wait oh no hold on there's 12 men on the field we're gonna have to kick that one again 24 to 21 denver denver win on a 36 yard field goal having a 41 yard miss cancelled by buffalo having 12 men on the field during the field goal uh what a fuck up um and yeah buffalo wonder why they can't start games again because they made a lot of mistakes in this one allen had 190 yards two touchdowns two interceptions and a fumble in what seemed a little bit more like old school classic allen from about three years ago wildly up and down but their run game bizarrely actually worked pretty well in this one they had 179 yards on the ground uh russell wilson looked grand 223 yards and two touchdowns there was a few little moments of like old russell wilson magic sprinkled in here and uh, particularly the touchdown to the far left corner of the end zone uh, on the yeah, play something. action pass where he had to basically double back at himself in a figure of eight and then throw what i believe is next gen stats most unlikely uh completion in the history of next gen stats um with an incredible catch in the corner of the end zone but um yeah look denver did enough in this game and uh like 
they still were this close. It's like it's it speaks to what is the underlying quality of the teams. Like Denver can step up and play. Their defense played really well in this game. Russell Wilson looked a little bit better than he has, and like you know, overall worked pretty well. But you know, they they had four turnovers and were still needed this last second field goal that then needed a second kick of a field goal to get there. Um, like it's not it's. It, it's not exactly like go flex on your fallen enemy style kind of stuff. Um, this was sloppy and it should have been a little bit more clear cut given what happened in the game from the Buffalo side. Yeah. You can see this is the straw that broke the camel's back and why it got the offensive coordinator fired. Like there's just too many mistakes, people not knowing what they're doing. And like some of the stuff like Alan Statline's not great with two interceptions and a fumble, but like there were dropped passes by uh, by players. There was fumbles by players that shouldn't be happening. They just looked out of sorts. And initially when I was looking at some of the highlights of this, I was kind of going, oh, well, they must be tired from the travel, but Buffalo were at home. Like it, it was just sloppy and messy. And it reminded me of back whenever they were just trying to figure their way out to being a playoff team, not kind of where they're meant to be at this point. So that was that was a mess. Denver climbing themselves back into relevancy, which is a, an interesting thing to see. Although, like I said, I think there's a ceiling on 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 what this can be at the moment because the defense, while it played well there, like it isn't as good as it used to be. And the offense did did decent, but like Russell's not. I think I think he's not seeing enough of the field because like they have a lot of weapons there and he's not using them all to their full extent. So we'll we'll see. Like a good win for Denver, like lol at Buffalo, uh, kind of caps off a fantastic bye week for the Chiefs because we're seeing all of the AFC contenders dropping games this week. But um, yeah, Buffalo, get your house in order. Yeah, like this is a game. I suppose it's a testament to your priors, right? Like obviously coming into the season, we didn't really expect much from Denver and the. First five or six games certainly didn't make you think any different. And Buffalo, we kind of came in concerned about them, but we thought they'd still be in the AFC Championship hunt. And we've just kind of been waiting all season for them to turn it around. Obviously, they had that big win against Miami, but outside that, it's just every week the same bullshit, the same mistakes, the same slow starts, the same, hey, Josh Allen, just bail us out, please. And once again, it wasn't quite enough. Now, in this case, you know, they actually managed to take the lead and then lose it with the last second. But, you know, Denver, like they had four turnovers in this game and they still only had to rely on like a, like a, you know, as you said, like a second chance kick. Um, And, you know, it's just all, and like, you know, I suppose if there's anything to a testament to a team that's lost its identity, that's lost its discipline, that's lost its capacity to keep everything under control, it's a team that sends out 12 men on a field goal drill and allows the other team to win because of it. And you're just kind of going, like, where is this team going to go? And obviously, they've now shaken things up by firing Ken Dorsey, but it doesn't feel like he's the problem. It feels like McDermott he had a well-oiled machine there for multiple years. They were they were efficient. They had a defense that was never amazing, but was always solid. An offense that got explosive plays consistently, and which, you know, there was always a few Allen mistakes, but not at the level that we're seeing this year. And it just feels like a team that maybe has been left behind. And look, injuries in the defense have to play some part in that like they were a team that seemed to be able to lean on their defense but like i suppose emblematic of that he obviously wasn't even a factor in this game again but von miller is out there every week so i'm told and is playing like like the worst edge player in the league every year he's a wasting he's not sorry he's not wasting snaps he's actually worse than wasting snaps it's like putting out like you know the pick up a guy off the street and put him in there type of situation and that just feels emblematic of this team they're just they had their shot 
and it ended in 13 seconds against Mahomes. And now we're, you know, they need to find what their next stage is. But they obviously those players were so impressive, and like it's a team that's so desperate to win and fans so desperate to win that it's going to be hard to make those tough choices. I don't think Allen is a problem by himself. I think if he was put into like a good offense, like certainly if he was like in Jared Goff's position, he'd be killing the league still. But this offense is completely run down. They're lacking any identity and they're lacking the ability to just win games. And like Denver, look, fair play to them. They, like they beat the Chiefs like like eventually just because their defense showed up. And like if this defense does play at this level um, at a consistent basis, then they could definitely crawl their way into that potential wild card slot over a team like the Chargers. But it's still not the most uh, fun uh, watch necessarily like yes you're seeing a little bit more of that Russell Wilson spice and yes that Kirtland Sutton uh, touchdown certainly uh, made me uh, kind of a uh, little bit uh, teary-eyed for the for the old days uh, but yeah like you know I think as someone said on Twitter it's not the first time Russell Wilson's been held out by the 12th man so you know that's the kind of <laughs> bullshit that they're getting it's not the kind of bullshit that, that is necessarily a consistent thing but given where they were last year I think Peyton has come in and turned them into a semi-respectable team and if they keep you know getting away with things and getting wins and certainly if they keep turning the ball over they have a chance but they're still yeah it still doesn't feel coherent but at least that's the start of something buffalo is the end of something and that's always just so much more depressing yeah no it just i mean not an awful lot to add to, to what ronan said the the denver thing i definitely think it is this sean payton it's, the effect is starting to be seen i mean wilson is starting to feel and look a little bit more like he did a few years ago no turnovers don't do anything stupid i mean maybe maybe it was all an italian hackett and it was just a fever dream that he's finally escaping from i think he had very good pocket presence in this game and awareness of pressure which he needed because the o-line crumbled all over him mike mcglinchey has uh, not exactly lived up to his uh, big contract but it's definitely working on a defensive side i mean justin simmons looks quite looks elite and he seemed i think he was involved in all of the turnovers in some way so yeah denver it's, it's starting to come together not the most exciting thing to watch but it's starting to come together the bills oh geez, i don't know i don't even know if i want to talk about how sad and depressing this is i mean the, the things are obvious turnovers killed them Sure, Allen's making the same mistakes again. Sure, Gabe Davis is probably not good enough to be your WR2 if you want to win a Super Bowl. Sure, James Cook is is really frustrating to watch. He gets over 100 yards but can't hold on to the ball at key moments. As I said, they seem to have regressed all the way back to Allen's rookie season and it's not progressing. I mean, the, the saddest thing of it all probably is that if you look at the, the footage of the 12th man, apparently it was DeMar Hamlin who was the 12th man. Oh, who, no. uh, so it's, it's There goes just, his it's, comeback player of the year campaign. <laughs> It's just the season. It's just it's just over. Like it's falling to bits, and they're going to struggle to get into even the playoffs as a wild card now. So, uh, yeah, it looks like it might be over. That that brief two and a half seasons in the sun uh, could be it for the Bills, unless unless they fix things on a grand scale. Because it's it this is this is what the crisis looks like. This is this is a team in crisis. They don't believe in themselves anymore. They're making really stupid mistakes and they're letting those mistakes beat them literally letting those mistakes beat them in this situation. So uh yeah, I kind of hope because we have friends who are Bills fans and they're a fun team to watch when they're in the best form. I kind of hope they turn it around, but I'm not confident given the trajectory the season seems to be going. Yeah. And uh, as always, we say all games are important. Just some are less important. And given how many good games there were this week, a few, a few fairly decent ones have slipped in this time round. But uh, I'm sure Fitz will give them as much love as his crap babies that he absolutely loves. So uh, we're going to fire it over to him on the dump off. 
Yes, you like field goal winners? Then have all the field goal winners in the world. Uh, starting with Atlanta at Arizona, 23-25. A walk-off winner, 23 yards this time. As Kyler Murray comes back and basically does Kyler Murray bullshit. Uh, he scrambles around, he throws the ball. Occasionally he throws an errant pass that gets intercepted. It's all just, it, it's like he never went away, basically. And, you know, when his top, like, bomb target is, like, Trey McBride, the tight end. Like, you know, I think you have to give some credit to Kyler for coming back and doing his, uh, his bullshit. There was one particular thing in particular where he ran back like 20, 30 yards, came all the way back and then bombed it. That's just peak Kyler. Like it's, I don't think it can work consistently, but it's fun. Um, as for Atlanta, hey, it's Atlanta bullshit. At least they ran Bijan Moore. They actually used him in the red zone. He was over 100 yards, but basically everything else in the offense stunk to high heaven. Heineke was less than four yards per attempt. Ritter came in and had a touchdown running the ball, but the pass game kind of went back right to like the first few weeks. So. Hey, Atlanta, you just are bad. I don't want to talk about you, but uh, you're still relevant because NFC side. Moving on. Washington at Seattle, 26-29. An important win for the Seahawks who get a 43-yard field goal winner after Geno finds DK Metcalf for a couple of big throws on a 52-second drive after um, Howell had a very impressive touchdown drive to, to even this up one more time. Basically, there wasn't much happening in this game. If you turned the dial off to another game, I wouldn't blame you, but uh, there were 12 to 16 coming entering the fourth and it ends up 26 to 29. So some exciting action going down there. For Seattle, the key thing was that Gino avoided the turnovers, though he did have like a dumb occasion at the end of the first half, which was basically a turnover. Uh, but the running back combo really seems to be hitting up. Charbonnet and Walker both looking good, really obviously having that kind of two uh, that two punch is really important for the team going forward. As for Washington, it's basically just like Howell doing things. He was over 300 yards, three touchdowns here, most of that late on. But he was productive, he's showing resilience, he got sacked a few times here. But uh, the running backs don't exist in this game. The defense is basically nothing with obviously the trades they made. So, yeah, uh, he's, considering how bad things are and how well he's playing, I, I don't blame them for considering a franchise quarterback see what they can have going forward. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yes, well, next game, Carolina, Chicago, 13-16. to 16. Walk off? No, actually, walk off, field goal, miss. Uh, sorry, Carolina, you lose to the team who owns your first round pick, um, making them richer in all the ways. Um, as Young struggles once again, um, had a few flashes, a few kind of nice throws towards the end, but otherwise his Carolina offense was basically stuck in neutral. The only touchdown they got was from a punt return. Like for Chicago, Bajan to probably be replaced this week by Fields, which should be going back, um, who now has more wins than Bryce Young in his, in his rookie season. Um, they played it safe, didn't turn the ball over. They leaned on Foreman for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. The defense looked better. Montez Sweat actually made an impact here. Three sacks, six sacks for a loss, doesn't five yards by. It was a grinding win on Thursday night, but uh, for Chicago, it's pretty much uh, all upside after that. Uh, Jets at Vegas, 12 to 16. Sunday night football. Wilson throws a Hail Mary. It falls flat. Thanks, Tyler Conklin. You got in the way of, you know, <laughs> of the good Wilson. Um, uh, but yeah, Wilson was okay. Like, you know, over 300 yards. That's one of his better displays, but still unable to make the plays when they mattered. And the Las Vegas defense made those key plays when they mattered with some help from the Jets who were stepping out slightly early, were getting flags and red zone situations. Uh, and obviously, the very few red zone situations they had. And they got that interception basically just within the red zone as well at the end. Um, O'Connell, nothing really much to write up for a quarterback, 153 yards, touchdown interception. It was a tough day against this very bad, good uh, Jets defense, but Josh Jacobs and Adams are now the focal point of this offense, and it kind of makes sense. It's like, hmm, why didn't Josh McDaniels think of that? I don't know. 
<sighs> he must be just too much of a genius. Uh, Green Bay at Pittsburgh, 19 to 23. Pittsburgh, hey, involved in a sloppy game, which they managed to just about edge out. Sounds like Pittsburgh football, all right. Uh, in this game, you know, Matt Canada is down on the sideline now. And he's like, hey, just run the ball more. And it basically worked here. Warren was over 100 yards in the touchdown. Harris was nearly 100 yards in the touchdown. Pickett, you know, he's Kenny Pickett, he's fine. Um, he's good if you need a fourth uh, quarter comeback, but they didn't need it here, so he basically did nothing. Uh, Love actually looked okay early on. He had some nice deep throws of 300 yards here, two touchdowns, but then two interceptions to kill their chances. Just those late turnovers have been a consistent team with him this year where they've been trying to come back and, yeah, just, you know, just bad play from him. Like, he was put in a tough situation because they had, uh, were four points down consistently, it felt like, and couldn't rely on the field goals, but, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh D shows up when it matters. New Orleans at Minnesota, 19-27. What seemed like it should have been a boring game because uh, Minnesota dominated the first half. They were up like 24 to 3 at the half. Then suddenly Derek Carr goes out and the Jameis Winston roller coaster comes out for another ride and two touchdowns, both incredibly stupid and improbable. Um, one to Alave in the corner in like a postage stamp amount um, of space. And then Jameis Winston like running out of the pocket, running around, and then it's like, there's a guy literally on the other side of the field, the furthest distance, and it's going to huck it up to A.T. Perry, and somehow, you know, he got away with it, but he didn't get away with it after that, he threw two interceptions, and the whole uh, dream kind of fell apart, um, and Minnesota managed to hold on, Minnesota, you know, dominated early on, Dobbs looked really good, he got two touchdowns, but uh, I don't know, they don't have a run game, and their defense is all premised on being blitz heavy, so I get they're not going to be a team that can really close out games, which to be honest, you know, for a team that's really, you know, wild card fodder, um, I'm willing to accept that kind of fun, dumb uh, type football. Next up, Indianapolis and New England, 10-6. to six, uh, Not quite uh, the same kind of action that the Frankfurt crowd got last week. Uh, New England threw two late interceptions. One from Mack, but he was running backwards and kind of just throwed off his back and just does not have the arm strength for it. Just awful pick, could have been easily a touchdown if he just set his feet. And that got him benched for the final drive where Bailey Zappi came in, threw a couple of passes, and then... Oh boy, with no timeouts, he goes for the fake spike and then throws a pick. It was pretty fucking hilarious, to be honest. But uh, I yeah. was genuinely <laughs> just burst out laughing when I saw it. Like, it was just, I, 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 I stopped and I, I stopped and I explained it to my wife, who's just like, "Oh, that sounds fun." Like, genuinely, even she thought it sounded ridiculous. Yeah, Bill Belichick looked like he was having a mini stroke, and Robert Kraft looks like he's getting a knife ready. But uh, yeah, outside of Stevenson, the, the New, York, New England attack just does not exist right now. Uh, Indianapolis isn't much better. Like Taylor had nearly touched them, but after that they went into their shell. Minshew was, I don't say maybe wasn't as bad as Mac Jones, but he wasn't that much better to be frank. And this is just a pretty turgid game overall. They need to be happy to get away with it and go to five and five. And then a few blowouts. San Francisco Jackson are probably the most meaningful blowout. Thirty-four to three. Hey, the the, the doubters are are dead, Sean. You San Francisco, you're back on track. Uh, they dominated in all phases except getting CMC a touchdown to continue his streak. Uh, RIP for that, but uh, Purdy back to his they best. They really tried the... though. They, they oh yeah, <laughs> they kept him out. Like... Final four minutes was like get this guy into the end zone. Uh, Purdy back to his best, slinging the ball around. Maybe a few risky throws early on, but obviously they were up early, so it didn't matter in the end. Uh, three touchdowns, they sure yards. You know, Trent Williams makes a huge difference when he's back in there. Debo had a few contributions, but CMC and Kittle were the engine. Uh, both under 100 yards. Kittle also got a touchdown. Lawrence, oh, I don't know. Like, the doubters are definitely growing for Lawrence. He's not been great even during this winning streak. 185 yards, three turnovers. Like, it's against the San Francisco defense, which looked angry about what had happened up coming up to their bye. Uh, four turnovers, five sacks. But even still, very disappointing. He'll definitely need to turn this around because 
there's suddenly some uh, interesting competition in that division they need to hold off. Uh, next up, Tennessee at Tampa Bay, 6-20. Tampa Bay get back in the win column after losing four in a row. Baker, pretty solid, two touchdowns. He had a pick as well. Uh, Evans is a star, nearly 150 yards and a touchdown. White's having a decent breakout in recent weeks, nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. It's just overall solid. Levis, 200 yards nearly and an interception. It wasn't great. The Tampa Bay defense definitely had the best of it. Um, particularly, we're basically bottling up Derrick Henry. Um, and I just kind of feel like Tennessee are just missing the intermediate part of the field. Deep, grand. Uh, running grand, but if you take those two away, it's not that middle bit that he can lie on because like, it's like Westbrook Akine in there or Chico Kwanko, it's just not good enough. Um, so uh, I think Levis, he still showed enough things that I'm not panicking, but I think just the Tennessee team is bad and there's only so much you can do. And finally, the most pointless game of the week, Giants at Dallas, 17-49, and that score flatters the Giants. Um, Dallas dominated this game, 640 yards, so 172, and most of those 172 coming in garbage time. Dak, a little slow to start, but uh, quickly 421 yards, five touchdowns. Both CD Lamb and Cooks over 150 yards and a touchdown each. Just obliteration. I don't know why the, the trash man DeVito is still in there. Like, just put a map actually there so at least you can dump it off to Saquon successfully. You know, like, he had like over 100, about 120 yards if you include the rushing, but just absolutely overwhelmed till you know, basically Dallas kind of gave up and, like I said, okay, prevent defense, see if you can beat that. Uh, 28 to 0 at the half just completely pointless i don't know why the giants are still playing i mean it's like mercy ruled them out for the rest of the season but uh yeah truly a dump off uh, game that's worthy of the name uh so that's the dump off for week 10 talk to you next week okay so let's have a look at the games for next week we'll start with thursday night football uh cincinnati are heading up to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Myself and Sean have gone for for the Bengals. Ronan's gone for Baltimore. And this is Sean's pick of the week, so I'll let him tell you about it. Yeah, obviously, huge game in the AFC North. Um, all the teams are very live, and these two teams are, at least talent-wise, probably the two best of the bunch. But uh, the Bengals especially are in risk of falling away, both off very heartbreaking uh, week 10 defeats that, that put some worries into how, how good this team is in certain ways. I think it's just going to be a fascinating battle on both sides of the ball. You've got, you've got on one side, you've got Lamar and the Baltimore offense and that run game that, that, you know, looks pretty good um, against the Bengals defense, which has been up and down uh, last week was not great, especially on the run side, but we know Luna Rumo. We know he's good at kind of scheming things up. It's going to be in division. So there could be some very interesting things on that side. And then the other side, it's Joe Burrow's back, but now he's facing this really tough Baltimore defense. So I think it's just going to be a high quality game. I mean, these, this is what Thursday night football should be. No more of this Panthers bears crap. This is, this is the kind of games that should be on prime time, uh, Two really good teams um, in a situation where a loss feels for the Bengals like it might be at least an ender of their chances to win the division. Um, and if they win, they're right back in it. And for the Ravens, if they lose, I mean, it kind of feels like maybe the wheels are coming off a tiny bit. So there's there's psychological, there's psychological kind of terms uh, to this as well. Both teams kind of feel like they need a win, but only one of them can get it. Uh, I, in terms of picking the Bengals, I mean, I do think it's a little bit of a what-I-want-to-happen situation. Obviously, the Bengals are they're such a fun, lovable team, and when in the playoffs, and particularly when they get in those runs, that they're such a, such a fun team to watch and follow that I kind of want them to stay alive and be good and to watch Burrow at his best, and, and I kind of want to believe that that's enough um, 
you can probably talk about the Ravens' consistency, which Ravens will turn up if the Ravens, you know, they, they, they have fast starts and they win games that way. If they don't get the fast start, if they kind of get reined in at the very in the first quarter, it fi- kind of feels like they get into games where they have to grind it out and they're less good at that side of it. So I'm hoping for the Bengals to come up with a defensive game plan to stifle the Ravens for long enough for then Burrow to become the guy who takes over the game and wins it. But I think it'll be close. I think it'll come down to the last play. And especially in that kind of fourth quarter at the end of the game, you trust Burrow over you trust Lamar. So I, I got to go that way. Maybe on paper the Ravens are possibly a better team, and I can certainly see where Ronan picked them. But I think you got to believe in the Bengals. Yeah, like I think Baltimore on this season have been better, though, since they obviously had the, the early goings that you can kind of throw out because obviously Burrow was injured at the time. But yeah, like Baltimore have played really well this year. Mike McDonald has got that defense up to a really scary level, but then they just kind of collapsed to some extent last year, last week against Ball, against the Browns, although, you know, seven points for free from the offense didn't help. And the offense is tidy mostly, but then last week they just kind of bundled in. And yeah, against Anarumo, they, like it's not as talented a defense as the Browns have, but it is one that can adapt. And uh, I do have some concerns that the Baltimore offense is still kind of a lot of college concepts for Munkin. Uh, and not necessarily the kind of things that will win you kind of in these tough games. And certainly in terms of clutchness, <laughs> it's not really a competition. Like Cincinnati have been consistently more clutch with Borough than Baltimore have been for the last two seasons. So I'm really trusting that Baltimore at home uh, with the fans on their side and with just the consistency that they have uh, and, and just the kind of well coach that they have that they can get this done. But look, I think this is a really, it's a, it's a really important game. And if Cincinnati do manage to win this, then the AFC North then just genuinely just becomes an absolute shit show. Yeah, which I to be honest, I'm I'm kind of hoping. I think it's I think that makes it far more entertaining with everyone scrapping for everything. It's interesting as well looking at this. Not, like also helps the Chiefs get the number one. Season. Ah, yeah, so but like these good. guys are going to take blocks out of each other anyway. So I don't think I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be the North that's going to have like the 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 big win recordy kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, what what I'm intrigued by as well is that, like coming into it. Obviously, there's injuries, but the injuries are kind of balanced out to a certain extent. Like Ed Rusher, Trey Hendrickson is day to day, but you know their offensive tackles Stanley is day to day as well. You know, the Marlon Humphreys might not play, but also T Higgins might not play. Like it's kind of it's not one that ends up one sided, which often can happen on a Thursday night game because you have a shorter week. Like so, it, it, it should make for a very entertaining watching. I'm, I'm similar. I'm just kind of going. You know, Baltimore have stumbled from time to time here and there. Like, I, I just, yeah, I think Cincinnati, if they can just get back to the form they were beforehand, should be able to to, to, to pull this out. So, yeah, I'm going Cincy. Uh, back on to then the normal slate of games on Sunday. We'll kick off, Sean, with Chicago at Detroit. We've gone Detroit again, across the board, even though possibly Fields will be back for this one. Yeah, we've gone from AFC North fun to an NFC North hopefully beatdown. The the Lions look so good offensively uh, and they look in such a good place and and they they have Dan Campbell doing all the fun things and they've got a a run game, two-headed monster that that can kill you. Um, So I think offensively they're going to look very strong and obviously the the Chicago defense is probably not strong enough to stop them. I think it will be interesting if Fields is back. I mean, Bajant was was fine, I thought. He he had a tendency to throw interceptions at key moments, but which rookie doesn't have that tendency? Fields obviously kind of maybe changes a little bit in terms of that explosiveness. And if the Bears are going to win, it's going to be because this Lions defense doesn't know how to 
handle that, but I, I kind of feel like maybe a bit of a, a bit of rushing from Aiden Hutchinson to, to stifle things and kind of see what Fields can do could be an interesting challenge. But to me, the talent differential is just is just too big here. The Lions are just so much more a better team. And they got to keep winning to keep ahead of the, the Vikings who are suddenly live again. So they're, they're going to be determined. Um, so I got to back the Lions. I can't, I can't really see a path to victory to the Bears here that it's all that likely to happen. Yeah, like your only hope for this game is that obviously Fields coming back in, he's got the next seven or eight weeks to kind of prove to Chicago, who are going to have two of the top picks in this upcoming draft, that he's their guy. So I think that's the only hope is that Fields comes out incredibly motivated. Uh, Dallas at Carolina up next. We've gone for Dallas across the board. Yeah, look, uh, Young's got to hope that this Dallas defensive line doesn't absolutely murder him uh, because he doesn't have a great offensive line, doesn't have a ton of weapons. Uh, Carolina's just not really up to much at, the, at all at the moment. Dallas, unfortunately, tend to, coming off big wins, not do as well the following week. And their their defense hasn't been as good on the road this year. So, like, we'll see. But realistically, what we saw last week from Dak and company was just, like, sheer domination they seem to be getting into a groove and yes it was against the giants but like they have a load of weapons this is an improving but not great carolina defense like yeah it's it's the the path to victory here is narrow and it's that dak has to have like an implosion game and uh young needs to step up somehow the fire's been lit under him after all this stroud rookie mvp talk kind of stuff um but yeah like dallas all the way pittsburgh at cleveland's up next myself and ronan have gone for cleveland and sean has gone for pittsburgh um yeah, so look, we've said Watson seemed to have found a groove at the back end of last week and maybe... Some he plays, we don't know that as well. Yeah, we don't know for certain, but like he's, I, like, I think we're going to just have random injury designations for him for the rest of the season anyway. And also, like they've looked fine with the backup anyway. Um, the problem is this is a tougher Pittsburgh defense. However, as we've said, they're down to two linebackers. They've got injuries across the board uh, and, you know, Cleveland have a good run game and stuff as well. So it'll be interesting. The big the big problem I have in this one, the reason I'm citing Cleveland is this Pittsburgh offense is a hard watch. They're getting a bit of production now that they're using Warren a bit more in the run game and everything. But this is, you know, like I said, defensive player of the year guys on this Cleveland defensive line. Like Pickett is going to be under pressure. He doesn't make great decisions under pressure. He normally has one or two particularly nice-looking throws a game, but he lacks consistency, and that's kind of where the Browns have been feasting. They have an incredibly well-drilled defense, so I would expect the Pittsburgh offense to cough up the ball. Maybe I'd, I'd say at least two turnovers in this game for Cleveland, and even with a backup quarterback in, that should be enough for them to be able to seal the deal. Yeah, I just, I, I just can't back the Browns. I mean, I, I know, you know, if you want to talk about where the, where these teams are at, obviously the Pittsburgh offense is not in a great place and the Browns defense is probably going to feast on them a little bit. But uh, I just, if the Browns win this one and say the Bengals win the Thursday night football, then the Browns are basically in pole position for the division. And in a, I believe in a moral universe. I believe in the arc of the universe. Uh, I, I, I just hope that the Pittsburgh, the Steelers' defense does a number on Watson. I mean, I think I saw we saw in the first half of that Ravens game that it is possible to to, to stifle Watson, get him off his groove. Um, just the Ravens just couldn't keep it up for four quarters. I think the Steelers will go after him. And again, it's a division game, so they know each other a lot. I feel like they'll 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 try and come after Watson, and that could be interesting if if the injury flares up, if he doesn't feel up to it, decides he, he just wants to sit it out for a while. Uh, it's definitely about it's about this Pittsburgh defense. They've got to basically win this game on their own because they're not going to get much help on the other side. 
Yeah, and that's like how the first matchup between these teams went, right? Like, basically, Pittsburgh defense got uh, two touchdowns, I think. And it was just a dumb, dumb game. And I'm expecting another dumb, dumb game here. Like, I don't... Like, this is probably a game where mostly Miles Garrett and TJ Watt will probably be racking up their sack total. Turnovers are likely to happen. I'd be very surprised if there was no turnovers unless you can take the over on that pretty easily. And, yeah, like, I think it comes down to the two defenses. If either of these defenses can do genuinely... Um, you know, big play things that they can get turnovers in particular. I think Mika Fitzpatrick might be back with this game, so that would obviously increase Pittsburgh's chance and then get it done. So for me, I, I literally could not call this game because both these teams are so wildly inconsistent week to week. They've got two quarterbacks that I have no idea what they're going to do on any given uh, drive. And yeah, they both want to run the ball. They both want to lean on their defenses and it's just going to turn into classic, quote-unquote, uh, AFC North football. Yeah. Uh, next up, Arizona at Houston. We've gone for Houston across the board, Ronan. Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, Houston are now well into the, the, the wild card hunt, if not the uh, AFC South hunt. Uh, they have a game against Jacksonville, I think, next week. That'll be key in that. Uh, Arizona obviously get Kyler back. They'll be a bit more. They're a bit more exciting it seems because of that. I think Houston, we kind of trust that they're a team that you know the last couple of weeks has turned the corner from being you know ooh interesting ascending team to ooh actual contender. So if they actually are that, then they should be able to beat down a very understaffed Arizona team, even if they have Kyler Murray magic bullshit. But you know I wouldn't count out Arizona completely just because it's Arizona and Houston are a very young team. But uh, based on the talent, it should work and Stroud is shit hot right now. So against uh, an Arizona defense you would expect them to keep those numbers up yeah uh, we got chargers taking on the green bay packers sean we've gone for the chargers across the board yeah it's i mean you've got to trust the chargers i think they, they do tend to be able to beat bad do teams <laughs> no i mean in terms of them playing bad team, I, I think the packers yeah. are not a, are not are not good team especially offensively even though love looks like he's maybe getting a tiny bit better it still doesn't feel like it's come together offensively they feel like maybe the run game is working a little bit better, but I just don't feel the Packers are quite there yet. These are the kinds of games that the Chargers don't tend to have problems with. It's the teams that are slightly, they're the next level up from the Packers that the Chargers tend to shit their pants against. So I think put Herbert against his middling Green Bay defense, I think that he'll score points. And then it's, I, I just don't know if I trust Jordan Love enough, even against a, a Chargers defense that looks like a mess. I think that the big thing will be the Packers run game. The Packers can get this run game going a lot. That could be a path to victory for the Packers, but I think most most scenarios, I think, will end up with the Chargers winning. Yeah, no, that seems fair enough. Uh, next up, Vegas are taking on Miami. Uh, we've gone for Miami across the board. So look, Vegas have looked better with Pierce at the helm, and this is probably their first proper test, though, because let's be honest, the, the New York teams have not been uh, the biggest hurdle to get over. Uh, you know, they'll be kind of training ones for three-year-olds learning how hurdles work. So can they do anything against this Miami team? Well, like the Dolphins have shown that there is a pathway to beating them. They don't always get as explosive on offense. The problem, the problem that Vegas have is the pathway to beating them. Vegas don't really have the personnel for it because Vegas' defense is just Max Crosby, and that's it. And he's fantastic, but that's really just about it. Uh, the Dolphins will be looking to try and get themselves rolling good and quick now. So they have uh, Devon Eight Chain has been activated into the window for activation i don't have confirmation he's going to be playing this weekend but the suggestions from initial coaches comments are that he will be available for this one and that it was a sprain rather than a tear or something like that so basically he shouldn't need to be ramped up too much so that would probably significantly help their run game um like 
Yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting one because I think Vegas are definitely a lot more competent now than they have been. I could see them putting up some points here. They seem to have figured out that, oh yeah, if we just throw the ball a lot at our like superstar wide receiver and we also use our very good running back a lot, things will go better than if we ignore that those people are on the team. Um, the problem is I just don't think it's enough of a game plan for them to be able to beat this Miami team who I think are going to have no problem with this secondary in trying to get their tempo passing and get their fast wide receivers out in space. The thing I'm interested in is can they find a balance in it and get the run game going as well? Because if they can get the run game going, that'll open up even more things over the top and boat race isn't what this Vegas team can win. Yeah, I think it's like, well done, Antonio Pierce. You, you, you've brought some respect back to the team. We all get to make fun of Josh McDaniels. And, you know, New York is a sad place. I think we can all say that's good. Well done. And now, But now it's Miami time. And look, it is a perfectly balanced game because Miami can only be teams below 500. This team is exactly 500. So we literally cannot predict this game. Uh, mm. But based on the actual talent level, you would imagine Miami can get it done. I think you are right. Like the run game, which was such a factor earlier on this year for Miami, has kind of disappeared uh, over the last while. And it's not a surprise that that has led to some of the deficiencies that we've seen in the last month or so. And so I definitely feel like the Dolphins will be very happy to try and reestablish the run uh, with HN and with uh, Mostert, ideally. And, you know, and hopefully make those big holes they were making earlier on in the year. And yes, you know, Max Crosby might be in the hole occasionally, but, you know, not every time, basically. And yeah, that secondary will be very open to being slashed anyway by the uh, Waddle, uh, who seems to be back in form, and Hill combo. And so you would imagine Miami, if they if they generally want it, like it, this won't establish them back as being taken seriously, but if they're going to regain their cred of the, you know, the 70-20 era when the, everyone thought they were the best team ever, you know, comprehensively taking care of Vegas seems like a you know a requis- prerequisite for doing that because yeah if your defense can't shut down two guys and a rookie quarterback just two guys and a rookie runner just ignore everyone else um, then yeah like they don't deserve to be taken too seriously but Miami should win either way it's just about are they great or are they just kind of stumbled their way to it yeah the, the Vegas defense is, is the thing here in order to beat the Dolphins you have to have a good defense and the Vegas just don't have a good enough defense so Miami tends to beat teams with bad defenses, and Vegas may be 500, but we know what kind of team that they are. So, yeah, I don't think it's much of a contest. We don't need more Vegas football. It's fine. Well, uh, move on. Yeah. Uh, Giants at Washington. We've gone for Washington across the board. Look, the Washington team isn't phenomenal, but they are getting a bit more uh, performance these days out of the offense. This Giants team is not a football team. Mike. That's that's really about it. As long as the trash man is under center, DeVito at quarterback, uh, they're not they're not doing anything. Uh, fun fact though, DeVito has thrown more touchdowns this season than Danny Dimes did. There's there's, there's a fun one for you. Ah, uh, the, the trick is to to allow your team to get beaten so badly that you get the garbage time touchdowns, which to was a Danny Dimes staple under mm. the Joe Judge era. And but uh, somehow they are worse than the Joe Judge era. I, I never thought I'd see the day this. Week. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, it's remarkable. But yeah, look, Washington, like just just don't fuck it up. Like it's this it's not this this is this is like I said, these are not hurdles to get over. These are small like row bumps that you could probably just drive over without any issue and having to slow down next up ronan tennessee at jacksonville we've gone for jacksonville across the board disrespecting the titans yeah look jacksonville obviously a, a pretty tough time coming out of the bye again meeting the other out of the bye team san francisco who absolutely hockeyed them 
here and there and everywhere. So, but we saw Jacksonville go on a five-win win streak against the mostly lesser lights of the NFL, and we expect against Tennessee, who I think Will Levis is not the problem. He's actually playing okay. He's not as good as the week one. His first week suggested, but he's still been playing pretty solidly. But they're just such a a talent depleted team, and Derrick Henry's not the same player. DeAndre Hopkins isn't the same player. So, I think in this Jacksonville, like do a lot of self hurt and kind of. Um, throw a bunch of picks which is possible with the Tennessee defensive line uh, getting pressure on Lawrence I think they should be able to grind this out but uh, yeah this is mostly about just re-establishing the the floor again and getting on from here yeah Uh, into the late slate Tampa Bay taking on San Francisco we've gone for San Francisco across the board look they looked really good this week uh, in their beatdown of Jacksonville they've got Trent Williams there they've got Debo there like it looks like they're kind of getting back to what they wanted to be doing beforehand. And maybe those injuries were having an even bigger impact than we thought they were. Um, Like Baker has done a fairly all right job with this Tampa Bay team, keeping them in games. Like he still is Baker. So he's going to make some silly mistakes from time to time. He's also like, he's looking thick these days, isn't he? Like he looks like he could properly take a hit more so than I remember him. But uh, yeah, like, this San Francisco defense absolutely teed off on Lawrence last week, and Lawrence is probably a better processor than Baker is. Uh, now, you could maybe argue that Baker has a few more options that might work against the San Francisco secondary a bit more. He has a he's, you know multiple big-bodied receivers who can go up and high-point balls, and we saw a few of those last week, but... Again, it's just going to be consistency. I feel like this San Francisco team are going to establish the run. They're going to be able to get the ball out of their weapons. They've been doing things a little bit better. Like, you know, we haven't seen quite as many no-show games from George Kittle and stuff like that. They seem to be spreading it around where needs be versus like Tampa Bay will make a mistake or two. My problem is I'm not sure. I think San Francisco will capitalize on them. So even if but if San Francisco make the same number of mistakes back, I'm not sure I trust this Tampa Bay team to make the most of it. So, yeah, I, I like there's certainly a route here if San Francisco turn back into a pumpkin, but I don't really see much of a path to victory. That said, I'd imagine Tampa Bay will they'll keep it close until maybe the third quarter and then it'll get away from them. Yeah, the talent differential is just too big here. I mean, especially if the Niners are back to something like their early season form, which... It seems like maybe the injuries to Debo in particular kind of took away their their offensive spark, and maybe that's come back. And that the the defense seems to you know have taken a few bad weeks as as you know to heart and has decided to to really step it up. I just I just the the books are occasionally exciting, but they're a heavily flawed team, much like Baker himself. I just think he's, he's going to end up throwing tons of picks. I think in this situation, he's going to be chased around the field, running running around the place. I think it's going to be a very tough tough day for Baker indeed. And on the other side, I think that the Niners will just will just run some points in against a a defense that is well past its prime in terms of its star players. So I just I just can't see, as you say, the books being consistent enough to to to. To score enough points, it's going to be able to beat this. This what the Niners going to, be able to put up. Yeah, and the eternal words of Bender: "I'm back, baby, San Francisco, all the way." <laughs> yeah, Jets at Buffalo. Uh, we've gone for Buffalo across the board. Now, this is a team that lost to the Jets early on in this season, uh, yeah. so it's not outside the realms of possibility. They are at home for this one, at least. But yeah, so the question here I've been is helping the playoffs last year. Yeah, Wilson, <laughs> like he's been terrible uh like the fact that they are just blanketly going 
look, he's our starter. I think he's actually, I believe they said, oh, he's actually been playing quite well if you're watching the tape, which you know, we are, and he's not. Um, but yeah, they're still here. They're still live in the AFC hunt. They are sitting. Like the audio tape, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> God, that sounded like a great pass. Um, but yeah, like th- this is an incredibly important game for both of these teams trying to stay in the playoff hunt. Uh, Buffalo need to not make mistakes. It's uh, a lot of pressure for a game for your first time stepping up as, as offensive coordinator from, 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 from quarterbacks coach. But, you know, fingers crossed they can actually get something going because I, I, I think it's more fun when there's a good Buffalo team knocking around because uh, it, it normally makes for some quite exciting stuff. From the Jets side, look, the defense is going to be the thing that leads this team. The defense is going to have to make <laughs> like make and capitalize on Allen's mistakes. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. Like, barring like two defensive scores for the jets it's hard to imagine this this offense getting it going unless it is just that like in division juju where they kind of know a little bit and they can figure out a little bit more and it is a depleted buffalo defense they're missing a lump of starters who said they've got liabilities at certain positions but it's a very thin wedge for the jets unless buffalo shoot themselves in the foot and i'm not putting them on charger level right now but buffaloes are are currently charger adjacent in like self-immolation yeah like look like buffalo should win this game they are still a better team they have an actual offense which is good um and zach wilson is the answer to the problem of do you have a qb no we're fucked uh it's just yeah, like the Jets don't have an offense right now. Brees Hall has mostly been stuffed up. You'd hope Buffalo can take him away, cover Garrett Wilson, and then it's like easy street, right? But it's Buffalo right now. Like I'm not saying they've reached Chargers level of self-immolation, but they're not that far away from it either. And they, if they could just come out and start a game with any level of competence, they could be much better this season. They just need to come out. And it's against the Jets, so I just mean keep getting field goals. Like if you get 9-0 up or something like that, just establish leadership in the game. I think you can hold off the Jets uh, for most of that and keep, keep it going. But like, yeah, I just you can't trust the Buffalo right now. But they're just better than the Jets, so we're gonna pick them over the Jets. But this game, it's really ugly and it's really really important because like Buffalo's next three games are like the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Chargers, and then they have the Dolphins in week. Like it's it like they need this it's win tough. bad. <laughs> And the Jets are slightly easier, but it ain't like a bunch of cupcakes for them either. It's like Buffalo need this win because if they lose this game, uh, like I'd probably be willing to stick a fork in them, to be honest. I There is a part of me that is like the Jets are going to win this game because they're going to pull them down into a, a grind, a, a real trench battle, and they'll just win it on the defensive side that Buffalo will just completely lose their mind and Allen will start making tons of mistakes. Because I can def I mean I can definitely see it. I can definitely see how this game would just degenerate into the Bills losing. But you're right, the the Bills for the sake of their season they absolutely have to. And they do have the talent on the offensive side they get going. Uh I agree with you. I think it's the early the first two quarters are the crucial thing here. If it's level at halftime the Jets are going to win for sure. Yeah. Uh next up we've got Seattle at the Rams. Uh, I'm back in Seattle. You boys are back in the Rams. Roland, tell me why you're a turncoat. I'm back in my bullshit. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't lose a pick and also see the Seahawks <laughs> lose this game. Cause this well, then is you a... just curse them and you lock it up for the Rams, right? 
yeah, lock lock up the Rams. They're winning a hundred percent. But like, <laughs> look, obviously Seattle lost this game in Week One. Like, obviously the Rams turned out to be slightly better than we expected. Um, because Matt Stafford played out of his mind. He coming back off the injury after the bye. Is he back to full health? Will he get the full like complement of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua going all over this young but you know interesting defense? Uh, and you know, can Gino just avoid making those mistakes? Can he avoid Aaron Donald Trump forcing him into a couple of picks and letting Rams stick around or win this game? But like the Seahawks are another team where basically after this, it's the 49ers, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles. So if they don't get a win here. Um, then you know, I, I think it's the NFC, so you still have a good shot at the playoffs. But you know, it's it, this is a win that would be really incredibly important for the Seattle if you get it. But the the Rams have always been the bet noir of the of the Seahawks, so I'm gonna pick the Rams because I'm back in my bullshit. But also the Rams, they they, they, they do this to the Seahawks. I hate them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm just on the voodoo as well. It's like Rams beat Seahawks is one of the fundamental truths of the universe. Yeah, I don't know. I think Seattle, bit of fun. We'll see a bit more Charbonnet again in this game, and it's going to be. Uh, I think it'll. I think it'll be fun. Uh, next up is Ronan's right. pick of the week. He's going Sunday night football, Minnesota at Denver. Man, you fucking hate yourself, don't you, Ronan? <laughs> oh, but this is. This oh, is by the way, your... I've gone. I've gone Denver, and the two guys have gone Minnesota. This isn't your father's Den- Minnesota at Denver, and by father I mean someone who was born. I don't know. Assuming you were born like six weeks ago. Um. Like, this is now the Dumble, I would say. Uh, these are two teams that don't make any sense whatsoever. And yet, they're going to play in Sunday Night Football. And both are very... Mo- well, Denver have just about squeaked back into the playoff onto the AFC. Though it's fairly congested in there. And Minnesota are probably one of the favourites for a wild card spot right now. Yeah. Uh, if not, you know, if things really went their way, maybe even compete with Detroit in the NFC North. So, you know, both these teams are weird and strange. And I don't know what's happening. Um, so, obviously, we'll start with Minnesota, who are, who are travelling up to Denver here. Obviously, a tough place to go usually except for Chiefs usually um except this season but anyway uh you know Josh Jobs has come in and looked good like they kind of went to sleep um there in the second half against New Orleans and allowed James Winston to make things interesting again but if they're in a close game I feel like I trust Josh Jobs can get this offense purring um I'm not sure if Justin Jefferson's back yet but he's in his window to return so obviously if Justin Jefferson comes back and then KJ Osborne's probably back from concussion and Jordan Addison's looked good and Hawkinson seems to play no matter how injured he is um then that passing attack looks pretty goddamn tasty and it pretty much needs to be because the run game basically doesn't exist and their solution is like Miles Gaskin. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, so this is a game where I just don't really believe it, even if either team went up that they could actually successfully hold it. And, and Minnesota are definitely the wor- the most of that because not only did they not have the run game, but as I mentioned in the dump off, like their defense is basically Brian Flores coming up with the most exotic blitzes that he possibly can. He blitzes at a ridiculous rate and they're doing like weird schematic things in the back end where they're like running zone coverages off like an eight-man all-out blitz and it just doesn't make any sense but apparently like so, like you know because it's never been well i wouldn't say it's never been done but it's so rarely done in the nfl it requires guys in the backfield you can trust who can like, you know read the field and like get off their man when they need to in zone and, and not leave guys wide open it's like it's very interesting and of course you know they're going up against russell wilson who um very good at the deep ball but not necessarily the greatest reader of the field but just in terms of his type of play, but also he's quite short, so you know there's only so much he can do. Um, so that's a really interesting matchup there, and that's but it's also a type of defense that gives up big plays, right? Like it's been mostly good at keeping those away, but it definitely is ready and willing to give up big plays if things break down for more than 1.5 seconds. On the other hand, it's not like Denver make any more sense. Uh, they they've quote unquote turned it around. They beat the Chiefs, and obviously they win this week uh, against Buffalo. And you're kind of going, okay, that's like technically I suppose Buffalo were a little lower on, but that's two of the interior the two 
two of the best teams in the AFC coming into the season, and you're kind of going, okay, well, what the fuck's this bullshit like? And it's like, oh, the defense, which was absolutely horrible for like the first four weeks, is suddenly like getting immense amount of pressure, actually locked down in the secondary. I don't like. Look, I'm sure someone can explain it, but I can't fucking explain it. I think they're still very vulnerable uh, in terms of run defense. I think we saw that again, um, even in the game this week. Uh, but Minnesota have like, as I said, just like I don't know, Ty no Chandler like... and Miles Gaskin. So they probably should just try to run the ball because I think it will just work because it's Denver. Um, but if they don't, if they go, Josh Jobs win us the game. I, he's been good enough to do it. Like actually. That's the solution. Just get Josh Jobs to run. Okay, I fixed it. There we go. Minnesota win. But, um, you know, this is just one of those games where it's weird. It's wonderful. I can't believe either of these teams are relevant. I kind of hope Minnesota because they actually, you know, it's kind of obviously they have more to root for there, I suppose. Uh, but Denver, like after beating the Chiefs too, like before the bye and now beating um, Buffalo, I think they have to be given major consideration. I don't know if it makes any sense. And I still feel like... Um, you know, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton don't make any sense as a quarterback head coach combination, but I think they're just both melding together and kind of turning into a, a goopy ooze that manages to hold enough teams down and get them the win. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I don't know how to call this. I'm picking Minnesota, but like to be honest, it's another one of those coin flip games like that I have no idea what's going to happen. Watching Josh Dobbs uh, last week, I, I kind of feel with all due respect to Kirk Cousins that maybe Kevin O'Connell has found his guy. It feels like that offense just purrs in a way that the Kirk Cousins-led offense never did. And in that sense, I, th- I think the Vikings are on a, on a roll, you know? Now, Denver are good and improving, et cetera, et cetera, but I, I feel that in terms of momentum, that the Vikings are in a much better place. And, yeah, i got to back them because, because at the end of the day, you, you, it seems to be like you give the ball to Josh Jobs under Kevin O'Connell and they're going to do some interesting things. And I think they're just going to score loads of points and I just don't know if this Broncos offense has the firepower to keep up with them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, So this is this is my thought process on this. I think Minnesota are looking fun with Jobs, but they are still quite a flawed team. Denver, I think their defense has turned around quite a bit and their offense is looking a little bit better. I think Minnesota are very exploitable on defense and I think there's enough weapons on this Denver team and enough... Uh, schematically from the coaching that they'll be able to just put things in place for the for the blitz packages and also they've got like a pretty decent run game i i I also just think like there's a bump that happens with Dobbs coming in that kind of in almost every other spot he's been to has then come back down to earth after about two games or so i still think they'll be good and i think they'll be competitive but going to denver it's a difficult spot to do it in their run game is Dobbs, and they don't really have a backup quarterback behind him so i'm not sure if they're going to send a lot of guys at them whether they're going to want to keep that going or not so uh, yeah, like it's a coin flip game. I just I see Denver edging it out at home, uh, and I see this being as a bit more of a comeback down to earth game for Minnesota. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I think I was joking when Sean was talking about uh, Josh Dobbs that like Kevin O'Connell just had like a dusty folder like for dual yes. quarterbacks. He's like, ooh, shiny, and it's like because like basically none of the kind of Sean McVay kind of quarterbacks have really had a chance with some like the closest maybe like Joe Burrow, but like this is proper like. No, it's actually better to treat him as like a dual track guy. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see. Uh, next up is my pick of the week in Monday Night Football. Philadelphia at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, myself and Sean have gone for Philadelphia. Roden has gone for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm locking it up for Philadelphia. They are guaranteed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't, think you, you could, I don't think you can psych out the universe like that. Uh, I think it might, it might be a... 
smash back we're, at you kind of We're thing. exploring our powers right here. Yeah, because yeah, like, it, 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 it worked for the Dolphins game. So uh, we'll see. Uh, so there, look, the number one seed in the AFC taking on the number one seed in the NFC. Both coming off bye weeks, both looking mostly healthy. So this should be an exciting one. Uh, Reed and Mahomes are going to be hopefully turning a corner on the offense. It's been struggling a little bit to get itself going. Um, the run game's been working, but there's been a lot of inconsistency in the past game. Uh, so we'll see what that's going to look like. Philadelphia, like had a week off to get themselves right but they are still there's some knocks here and there Jalen Hurts still has his kind of recurring knee injury bit and all that kind of stuff but like I think I think this is the kind of it's a, it's a very difficult game to call uh, because I think the Chiefs offense hasn't been phenomenal but the Philly defense like they've got a, they've got a good defensive front seven they rush quite well but the Chiefs offensive line has been holding up very well um their backfield isn't quite as good as it used to be, and so maybe you might be able to get a bit of exploitation there and help the Chiefs out. Their run game, their run defense hasn't been phenomenal, and you'd hope that they could probably get Pacheco going a bit and maybe Jet McKinnon on some of the some of the kind of passing option stuff there. But like overall, I think that's it's a close enough run thing. On the other side of the ball, Philly's offense has been electric. They have great wide receivers. They have good tight ends. They have. Uh, although it's not shown up the last couple of weeks, they do have a very good run game and a very nice offensive line, as well as just the incredible elusiveness of uh, their quarterback. But Chiefs defense has been playing a lot better of late. They've been getting a lot more like positive work in the pass rush as well. It's no longer just Frank Clark. Carl Loftus has been playing very well for them as well. And all the kind of rotational pieces they've brought in have been helping. The problem is I don't think that it's, I don't think Hertz is the kind of quarterback you catch in the backfield very often. You need to pressure him, you need to get your hands up, and that's something that the Chiefs' defensive line has been doing well. They've got a skilled but young secondary, that, and that's where I'm. That's why I'm kind of siding Philly in this a little bit. Is it like I think the the defensive backfield in Kansas City is actually pretty good. But I also think Philly might have the best collection of weapons to go up against them. They've got guys who are fast, guys who can high point the ball, exceptional route runners. And they also have the escapability with Hurts to extend plays. That's the kind of crap that people have to deal with when they're playing the Chiefs normally. So I think, I don't think it's going to be a massive blowout in either direction. I think Philly's offense is purring at a level uh, that the differential on their offense to the Chiefs' defense versus the Chiefs' offense to the Philly defense is just substantial enough that uh, it'll cause the difference in the game. Additionally, just as a smaller thing, the Chiefs have had a number of misfires on special teams in the last couple of weeks, and that worries me a little bit. The fact that they swapped the, 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 the punt returner, and we've now seen two muffed punts in, I think, three weeks, that's a worry for me. So hopefully they get that stuff all cleared up, because the thing is, Chiefs could come out of here and they could be firing on all cylinders. Rashi Rice has been looking better. Travis Kelsey, you know, seemed very happy down at the Taylor Swift concert in South America. So hopefully he'll come back ready and raring to go. And they could just go like, yep, cool. It's now the second half of the season. We're coming in towards Thanksgiving. It's time to get things working. Um, I could totally see that outcome. The thing is, I haven't seen it so far this year. And that's why I'm siding Philly. 
yeah, I think this is great timing for it. Like, obviously, a prime time game. Well, it's not as good for us over in Europe, but you know, obviously, it gives a spot. I'm thinking I game. might actually get up and watch this one live because. And I, I, I think these were two teams that you know I kind of felt like they were. I wouldn't say they were crawling towards the bye because obviously they both have a lot of wins, but they were both like suffering from from the season. Effectively, like the Chiefs on offense seem to be running out of ideas um and not quite playing at the level we expect uh they managed to grind out win in in, in frankfurt they obviously lost to denver um philly they were picking up a bunch of injuries hurts was picking up an injury they have a bunch of injuries in the rest of their defense and i think just having a week off just gives you the best of both teams we know that andy reed loves his buys to come up with some bullshit and then suddenly in the second half of the season the chiefs go from good offense to blow your head off offense and i suppose i'm, I'm kind of betting to a certain extent on the the andy reed post buy uh bullshit to a certain extent here but i'm also betting that i think with a week off um to just kind of go back to the books and figure out what the next evolution of this offense is that more often than not i'm going to trust that andy reed and, and patrick mahomes will figure it out uh, i don't know if travis kelsey had much input but uh, i'm sure he'll be <laughs> raring and ready to go he'll be very enthusiastic he'll probably you know be looking for anything to distract himself at the uh, for the coming week i imagine but um so I'm kind of just trusting the Chiefs can get it done, but I think Philly fully healthy. We obviously know they have a dominant defensive line. The run game, which kind of fell off a bit, if their offensive line gets a bit healthier, you expect maybe that can come back into it. I think they're a very complete team. But of course, you know, there's a reason they were voting the Super Bowl last year, but and Philly were the more complete team, but the Chiefs managed to win anyway. And in Arrowhead, you always got to give the Chiefs a slight stature. So Andy Reid bullshit plus Arrowhead, I'm gonna give them the slight edge here, but this is a, a great time to have this game and hopefully it can live up to his reputation. Yeah, like one thing to note on this is that like Taylor the- Swift. The the following setup of games is a lot easier for the Chiefs than it is for the Eagles. So I think it's more important for the Eagles to get this one as well because they have uh, at Chiefs, home to Bills, which could go either way, uh, 49ers, Cowboys, and then the Seahawks. Whereas the Chiefs have this tough game against the Eagles and they have the Raiders, the Packers, the Bills, the Patriots, and the Raiders. Like it's, which could mean that Andy Reid can just kind of essentially blow his load on the fun things that he's thought up in the bye week and just spend them all on the Eagles game. But it also means the Eagles, this is a, this is a kind of like, they need to get some wins in this stretch kind of period for them. Yeah. I, I, I totally buy the, the, the bye week thing. I, I think that that could be a big factor. Andy Reid is really good at coming up with exciting things, but I think to, to back the chiefs as Roland dude is based on, on a hope rather than expectation. This team is not, quite clicked yet and I don't think we can give them credit for the possibility that they might click in this game even though mm-hmm. there's you know Reed, Reed has got the reputation what he does I think Philly are further along their their path this season they look really good on both sides of the ball and I think they found they found their zone and I think that's why you got to back them in this game because the Chiefs I feel especially offensively have not quite found it yet now they might find it in this game certainly I, I I give that as a possibility, but I don't think I can, in terms of predictions, I don't think I can expect it in the same way that I expect can't, the Eagles to Can't give them credit for being defending Super Bowl champions. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I... <laughs> no, because it's week Techniques. 10 of the following season. <laughs> it's week 10 of the following season, so I can't give them credit for being Super Bowl champions because we played a lot of football since then, Ronan. Yeah, and they've only won like 80% of their matches. Yeah. <laughs> Like both these teams are good. Like let's just they're both clear. very very good. I do th- I do think Philly are currently uh, running at a higher motor than the Chiefs are though. 
Like, but like Philly haven't exactly been blowing up. Like they've 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 been the better team. They've, they've just been in so many matches. They're just the better team. So they've never quite had to go like that next level that we kind of saw in the back half of their season last year. So it's really interesting to see that coming out of their respective buys, can either of these teams like show us that they've they're about to like hit the supernova level that we expected them based on what they did last year. You know, um, I think both teams have a point to prove to a certain. Extent. I know Philly have been racking up wins because mm. they're just so solid because they they dominate in the trenches, but. You know, they're going to need that extra factor to dominate against a team like the Chiefs. If, if the Chiefs are going to do it, their defense needs to step up and play their game of the season. Because, like, when 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 Philly lost, it was to the Jets. And that was a low-scoring, just kind of fuck them around and don't let them do what they want to do thing. I don't... Like, like the Chiefs have a good defense. They're not at the level of the Jets, which is why I don't think they'll be able to contain them that much. And I do think that it is kind of a plateau cliff issue of like there's not a lot of gradation of slowing them down they're either able to score points or they're not given how explosive their offense is so yeah like we'll see anyway, I, I interrupted your actual analysis of bluster sean i don't know if you want to finish the actual analysis uh no that, that was that was most of it that it does come down to the where these teams are right now um and basically the the, the questions of how they perform in this particular game i i understand the chiefs are a late season team i understand that Andy Reid is great off a bye, but the Eagles have shown it for me this season and the Chiefs have not quite yet, so that's why i got to give the edge to the Eagles in this game. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know how I ended up like uh, role-playing Connor for this part. (laughs) (laughs) Like Connor's picking Denver and he's picking against the Chiefs. What happened, Connor? You've lost it, man. (laughs) Oh yeah. Who yeah. hurt? Who hurt you, Connor? Who hurt? You? I don't know. I think. Uh, I think. I, I think. I, I think being miles back in the uh, in the picks contest and then bringing it all back with a fantastic set of selections last week that you ridiculed me for because I wasn't there to defend them. You said, "Oh, for some reason he's picking Arizona." What a mentor! It's like, yeah, yeah, like you know, I played a win, boys. I played a win. Well, yeah, I gotta give props, Connor. Well played. Well played, Connor. Well played. <laughs> Frankfurt changed you. It did it? Did uh, although I did make those picks pre Frankfurt. Uh, yeah. It was uh, it was on, on on my way out there though, so maybe that was it. Uh, but no, that's very good. So uh, that'll wrap us up for this week. Any plans for the weekend, boys? Uh, not so much. It's uh, it's international week in the soccer, so there's no good soccer yeah. on, and it's quiet. My wife is working most of the weekend. It's her birthday next week though, so we'll probably do some fun things then. But this weekend, I think it'll be a quiet one. Uh, a lot of good football. Some good football. Uh, some exciting red zone, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Yourself, Ronan. Yeah, it's mostly a catch-up week. I suppose we're kind of middle November, kind of looking towards the the end of the year at this point. So uh, yeah, busy at work. So although not uh, keeping it keeping it lean. Yeah, I'm off to off to Donegal myself, bringing Doggy up for his first visit up to the homestead up there, and uh, it's kind of his uh, his uh, his uh, trial interview for uh, going up for Christmas. So uh, hopefully he's very good. <laughs> but other than that, uh, nothing too wild or crazy planned here. Just a good chunk of football then on the Sunday, so that'll be nice. Might actually see about going into town for some of these games. That might be a good crack. But uh, you're gonna go into town and stay up Monday night. Oh, that's a that's a risky weekend. Oh, it is actually. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Well, no, if I stay up for the if I stay up for the Monday night football, I'll probably just go to bed and then get up for it. Um, yeah, that probably makes the most sense. Come on, America! If you really need to expand those markets. <laughs> Put these games at times that are a little bit more viable to us in other uh, other time zones. But um, yeah, look, that'll wrap us up for this week. So I suppose it's bye from myself, bye from Sean. Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Bye.